0: want to go to there?
1: Snipe! I saw it
2: in the window and I
1: just couldn't resist it.
2: Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who've just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person. Are we having fun yet? <laughs> yes, yes. 30 hellers. Agreed. Never mind. Maybe the
1: dingo ate your baby. It's cunning plan, actually
0: would you believe it And you beautiful tropical fish don't mention the war clear eyes to the hearts hello and welcome to the Tulliver sound on sites tv podcast this is kate calls and joined as ever by simon howell simon how's it going
2: i'm doing all right i would just like to say though um <laughs> uh just how can i how can i put this so that no one will know what i'm talking about and we can all move on with our lives um, some of y'all really need to ease up on Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. That's all. That's it. I just, that was for my own satisfaction and for no other reason.
0: Okay. Um, <laughs> Simon is the Twitter police apparently. Uh, but I'm confused and we're just going to move on. Uh, because we've got a lot <laughs> of stuff to talk about this week. Fortunately, we don't have a bevy of news that we need to dive into immediately, which is nice. It's a nice change of pace. Um, but we we do want to uh, you know talk about some of your guys' feedback. First of all, we should say, of course, at the end of the podcast, we are reviving the season spotlight segment with Vikram Murphy from the AV Club talking about Better Call Saul season one. Very glad to have that segment back, and glad to have Vikram back on the podcast. Um, at over at Facebook, we heard from Ryan who says uh, Mad Men paid tribute to Mike Nichols because he worked as a consultant on the show. And also, if you watch any of his best films, he was clearly a big influence on the show as a whole of the podcast. Keep up the good work. Ryan, thank you for commenting. And yeah, I, I obviously, there's some there have been some really specific homages to Nichols' work on, on Mad Men, but I didn't realize that he worked as a consultant. So that makes sense then.
2: I had no idea. Um, and by the way, since you mentioned the season spotlight, uh, I guess we're going to be bringing that back for a few weeks because we've got a few of those to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll. Um, I don't know that they'll all happen... The episode after these shows' finales, but the, there's a few shows here that we're going to want to dive in with um, quite substantially. So, yeah, they'll be coming back a little bit here. We also heard from Brian, of uh, course, the Sound, Sound on Site's news editor over at Sound on Site, and he said, uh, someone once told me that Seinfeld wasn't a show about nothing, but it was a show about etiquette. Every action they take isn't based on morals, but on social norms. They're constantly concerned with how something will look, and uh, we relate to a degree because we'd make those decisions or have the same thoughts, even if we couldn't act on them. Um, Matt Seitz wrote a piece for Seinfeld's anniversary that uh, echoes Jennifer's point about how you can draw a line between Seinfeld and the dark anti-hero characters on The Sopranos and other shows, so that's neat. I'll have to check out that Seitz piece. But one point I'm surprised you didn't bring up about why the show isn't as much uh, in the culture conversation today is because the show is so 90s. And that's a theory that there's a theory that 90% of the humor and situations in the show could be solved by a smartphone. But I think the characters are well drawn enough that they can exist in the modern day. And we saw that in the the clever modern day Seinfeld Twitter feed. Anyway, one of my favorite moments is the episode where Jerry and George are trying to figure out how to do the roommate switch perfectly written. Uh, what do you think about that? Can you solve most of uh, Seinfeld with a smartphone? I don't think
2: smartphones have a shrinkage app yet. <laughs>
0: yet um i do think i i there's a lot of tv and film where give the characters a smartphone and all of a sudden that resolves many of their problems but that doesn't take away the awkwardness of the characters i feel like they would just those characters would still get into the same problems uh socially awkward problems um even if they did have an easier way to communicate with people
2: yeah and it's not as though smartphones have solved social awkwardness in real life
0: yeah, but I but that's a good point. Um, it's interesting to think about because you know I don't notice the '90s datedness as much as I notice other versions of datedness. So I'll have to think about that, and uh, I'll have to look up that little side piece. So thanks, Brian, for commenting on Twitter. We heard from some of you guys. First of all, we should say, I should say, because I I'm the one who did it. The DVD shelf library is up to date. Huzzah! Oh so, my god. So those who are looking uh, for more television to listen to can go to soundinsight.org slash DVD hyphen shelf hyphen library. And all of our guest segments and some of our not guest segments are there. So all the interviews we've done, all of the uh, season spotlights we've done, all the DVD shelves we've done, all the Make You Watch-a-thons, it's all there. And there's like 160. It's insane.
2: Yeah. It. It... it yeah. I just... I, I can't look at it too often.
0: <laughs> is it is it too is it too too depressing? Too many hours? Not not depressing. Just like how 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 have we done this? How well we heard from Damian who said super impressive body work there. Congratulations. So thank you, Damien. Uh, he says I eagerly await the day when the killing is added to that list, the Danish version. Um, so maybe I'm up for watching that. Uh, also on Twitter, we talked a bunch about Daredevil. Um I talked a lot about Angel with a few people um and also I should mention there's there were some announcements about uh, Austin Television Festival some more uh panels and uh events have been announced there. Super excited because of course I'm going to Austin and I've heard uh found out that friend of the show Beth, uh long time listener, will be will be there as well. So we're gonna hang out. If anybody else so I figured I should throw it out there to the audience. If anybody else there is gonna you know listening is gonna be at Austin, let us know. Maybe we can do some kind of a meetup or something. Um I don't know. Or I just basically if there's three of us we can all go get a drink and eat some barbecue and it'll be delightful. Um, yeah, so I know that you hate Comic-Con, Simon, even just the concept of Comic-Con with a fiery vengeance. How do you feel about Austin?
2: Uh, well, Austin, at least, um, I could be in Austin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, So, you know, I I could go to Hannibal and Justified and Bunheads and pr- honestly probably ignore everything else. And as you say, bars and barbecues sounds pretty good.
0: Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited about Bunheads, very excited about Hannibal, and, of course, Justified. There's a lot of great stuff that'll be going um, going on at Austin this year, but uh, we'll see. It's a new experience for me. I have no idea what it's like, other than everybody says it's awesome. So we'll see. Um, also, at Sound of Sight, uh, Elena wrote up a lovely piece about uh, awareness and advocacy in of The Next Generation, looking at the page storyline and how that show uh, has dealt, dealt with issues of sexual assaults. Um, great piece, so thank you so much, Elena. You guys can check that out there. Dupain and I, Dupain Sengupta, a managing TV editor, and myself, wrote up a conversation back and forth about break, uh, Better Call Saul Season 1 because I've seen Breaking Bad and Dupain, I found out, has not. So, looking at how those two different kinds of audiences view the show. Um, and then we should also mention there's a nuke. We have a, yet another podcast going on at Sound On Sight.
2: Yes. Uh, Ricky D, uh, our... our uh leader I don't know that um, has has started a, uh, a new Nintendo podcast uh, called next press that's NX for the, for the new... NXpress. how I'm not sure how he's pronouncing it uh, that's how I'm choosing to pronounce it uh, it's named for the code name for the new uh, Nintendo system and uh, I know that he's uh, he's been very ex- excited about it it's a totally new format uh, for uh, for one of our podcasts He's already got some guests lined up that he's very stoked about I know next to nothing about video games Other than occasionally I play one from 20 years ago uh, Via the magic of emulation But that's about all I got uh, But I, I figured there's gotta be Some gaming fans all up out there So just figured I'd throw that out there
0: Okay, well yeah I'll have to check that out I, I enjoy a nice round of uh, Oregon Trail myself We can talk about emulators <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right Guess you okay. didn't get dysentery. What? What?
2: You just trumped me for sure for for old for oldness.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh, now we'll take a break. Uh, we've got to kick off this week in TV, so we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in comedy. In comedy, we're talking about Jane the Virgin, chapter seventeen, the Louis premiere, potluck, Children's Hospital fan fiction, and of course the Veep premiere, joint session, and the Silicon Valley premiere as well, Sandhill Shuffle. Uh, but of course, we're kicking things off with Jane the Virgin, like we so often do. Uh, what did you think of this episode? And the, what what looks like we're getting for the last stretch here?
2: Um, first of all, it does not feel like we've watched seventeen episodes of Jane the Virgin. Is that just me? No. Um yeah. Anyway. Uh. it was fine by, by Jane, the Virgin standards. I didn't, I didn't think it was particularly distinguished. Uh, I'm not really a fan of what they're doing with Andy. I think that's the name of Michael's ex and the way she knows about Jane, but isn't talking about it. And like, I I need them to cut down on the conniving characters, not add more of them. Um, So I'm hoping that's something they sort of uh, undercut later um let's see what else this was a return from hiatus episode and whenever they do one of those it seems like they really really up the number of intertitles and explanations of things uh which i really don't need like the first the first appearance of uh jane's hypothetical future child was great but then they for some reason had explained that with an intertitle twice which I know this is nitpicky, but whenever they do that, I feel like they're insulting my intelligence. And I watched Jane the Virgin, which means I'm a smart human being uh, and I don't need quite so much handholding. Anyway, uh, other than that, I thought it was fine. But, you know, Jane's done a lot better.
0: I mean, I really liked the Jane's future daughter stuff. So that that kicked it up a notch for me or a level, I should say. Um, I also uh, like that they finally are not pretending about Aaron uh, or at least they've moved to a new phase of that this Aaron storyline cuz was just getting so tired of annoying you know this is totally what Jainism is guy i don't eat tubers you know like i yeah uh, i i was very glad to see that storyline progress um i also really liked all the stuff about jane um and like the 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 in, the industry that comes with pregnancy so i was interested in you know watching her deal with all these different approaches and should, do we need a doula and do we, all of this stuff um also it's nice to see another potential point of, of conflict with jane and and raf not being any of these insane things in their lives but being a simple approach to to child rearing and you know what raph grew up with which was lots of nannies it seems and what jane grew up with and what she prioritizes so you know like there was i i, I liked how all of that came together i even enjoyed the rogelio and zo stuff um with with the i love you um and, and the bromance of rogelio and michael is delightful so you know i i think i just like this episode a little bit more than you did though i agree it is not peak jane's but we're going to move straight on because there's a lot to talk about this week. Uh, let's talk about the Louis premiere, Potluck. And uh, your review is already up at Sound On site. We talked about it last week. We talked about the first four last week. Um, but let's dive in a little bit with this specific premiere. And um, and I guess, what Yeah, what did you think of the titular potlucks that we see?
2: Um, I thought this was about half a good Louis episode. Maybe a little bit over half of a good Louis episode before it kind of nosedives. Um, the everything with uh the prep for the party, including the opening stand up, which I thought was one of the best bits of stand up he's done on the show for a while, especially since last season hardly had any. Um, this whole notion of an America planet versus a South America planet I thought was uh was really clever. Um, and everything with the cult in the in the first in the first uh at the first party. I haven't noticed anyone else pick up on this, um, or mind you, I haven't read a ton, but I like how the host of the party asks them, what is the first question? What is the second question? What is the fourth question? And skips over the third, and we never find out what the third question is. <laughs> um, and just little details like that that the show is so good at. Then when you get to the second uh, party and everything with the surrogate, um, there's some nice little moments there, and we get we do get like a, a, like a four-and-a-half-minute long take or something. I did count because um, I'm keeping track of the long takes this season. But yeah, uh, just it was too familiar. Um, It felt a lot like a like a repeat of a couple specific episodes, especially Pregnant, uh, which was the season two premiere. And that's sort of the one thing I don't want to see this show doing is repeating itself. I'm okay with it screwing up in exciting new ways, um, but that's that's dispiriting a little bit. Mind you, uh, as I said before, I've seen three more episodes and I like all the other ones more than this one.
0: Yeah, I do think I liked this premiere more than you did. I, I enjoyed the whole thing, and like even the the second potluck and the surrogacy stuff. That all was um, was fun. But I would agree that for a Louis episode, it's it's not great. But for a general comedy episode, I think it's really fun. Um, so yeah, it just has Louis has just set the bar for himself really really high by most yeah. of his episodes being. Very good to brilliant, um, so yeah. I think as a Louis episode, like you said, it's not great, but I still that doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy it and uh, really have fun with. I like like the little detail you said, like you talked about last week. Just the, watching Louis make the chicken is is such a nice little sequence that the, that he takes the time to really make you feel that process, which I know for for many people is a very like personal, very homey, very fond memory kind of process so you know i yeah i i enjoyed i enjoyed this premiere i'm glad louis is back even if maybe I, I wasn't wowed yet
2: yeah and we'll talk about this more next week but i i think you can agree it was a weird choice for a premiere um given what else is yeah coming.
0: well I, I don't know if it's an interesting choice i don't know if i would say weird but i think that's it's a very deliberate choice To kick off the season and have and like subvert expectations a little bit and maybe put the audience off balance in regards to a particular relationship that we're going to talk more about next week. Um, But I think it was very deliberate. So that's interesting to me. And whether or not that leads to anything later on in the season or it's just sort of, you know, CK having fun with us remains to be seen. Next up is Children's Hospital fan fiction, uh, which was a delightful little. Lark, I guess, which as much as any episode of Children's Hospital can be considered a Lark because the entire series is a Lark. I'm using Lark a lot today, apparently. Um, But yeah, I had I had a lot of fun with this and it just it's so seamlessly the this world, you know, the concept and the way I, I love how natural this very stylized and very ridiculous dialogue is. Um, to these actors. It just feels like a completely, of course this is an episode of Children's Hospital. Um, so I, I had fun with it. What did you think?
2: I, I always uh, am pleased whenever they do um, an episode that sort of helped explore the world outside the show. Like, what what is the audience interested in? What what kind of people watch Children's Hospital? Uh, like, really, what kind of people would watch Children's uh, you know, in, in the universe where the show is, is taken seriously. And they kind of use that as a launch pad to do a pretty broad, uh, but I think mostly very successful lampoon of, uh, basically everything slash slash and fan fictiony. Um, it's, I mean, it does kind of get, uh, I I, I was a little bit disappointed that they went the the full twilight with it slash the full 50 shades, because I, I, I enjoyed the sort of the more, uh, the more specific humor of, um, you know the the script getting in digs at uh at at sort of other other people in her suburb and things like that <laughs> um that felt more like the show's own but uh that being said it was definitely amusing
0: yeah the as my daughter would say lol um way more entertaining to me than the mm-hmm. the sparkling
2: and the way every character now suddenly has a daughter
0: yeah yeah <laughs> or as is commonly known the runs you know like just. I think this was a really fun... The, this, I mean, they must have had a lot of fun writing this.
2: Yes, citation needed.
0: <laughs> but let's move on to our HBO premieres in the comment section here, and let's kick things off with Beep Joint Session. My review for the AV Club is up. Um, I, I enjoyed this episode, but I, I couldn't help but be a little underwhelmed by it, um, not similarly to Louie. I enjoy... I, I, I had fun with it but I only laughed out loud once or maybe twice and for a show like Veep especially coming off such a strong third season it, it there are a couple elements to this premiere that really stalled it for me and the big one is is starting in media res and then flashing back 24 hours I thought that really took out any of the energy from the the earlier scenes, when they should be building momentum up to the speech, and can they pull this off? Can they manage to get all of these rewrites done in time? We already know that they're going to fail. And so that really took the wind out of the sails for a lot of these early episodes or early scenes in the episode, at least for me. Was that just me, Simon? What did you think?
2: Uh, Honestly, opening in Media Res and then going back to 24 hours later is almost never a good idea, and I don't know why people still do it all the time, <laughs> like I mean, it it can work. It has worked. Some shows have done it incredibly well, but I feel like with every show I've watched this season, um, whether it be a comedy or a drama, um, Daredevil also just did this in an episode I just watched. Um, you know, it's it it's still like an omnipresent thing that happens, and I don't I'm not sure why, except that it it's it's an easy hook, and Veep doesn't need it at all. Um, I agree. it Doesn't really add anything to the episode. I'm not sure it detracts that much, but I was definitely like, "Come on, guys, we don't need to do this." Uh, other than that, um, I thought it was a perfectly fine premiere. Um, always happy to see. Uh, actually, was Zach Orth in this last season?
0: No, I think he's new.
2: It's always nice to see that guy getting work. He seems like he could use it.
0: Yeah, I also really liked Sam Richardson turning up. He was in last season, and he's now a season regular. Um, and it'll be fun to watch him and his proud graduate of I- IIT um right? or is it it Tech it's one of those um that i see commercials for all the time in chicagoland um and, and just like him trying to take the order of erickson and amy was delightful so i, I really think he'll be a fun addition to that side of, of the show on um, the other scene that was just very odd choice i would say that i think that was very odd so starting in media res i'm not sure why they they did it. Like you said, I I think we're on the same page there. Um, though I think I liked it even less than you did. But um, the scene with Patton Oswalt and with the, his new character Sykes and with Jonah was very odd to me. And I'm absolutely willing to give them some some leeway on this because I'm assuming this is going somewhere. But they just have him grab Jonah and play the scene completely straight it's like complete it's uncomfortable it's not funny at all like you just keep waiting for it to go like husband of the finnish prime minister funny and it doesn't um and it was very they've never really done something like that at least that i can remember how did that scene work for you
2: uh the scene itself definitely catches you off guard because like you said it's not something that they do i think it puts you in the awkward position of feeling bad for jonah which I think is exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something like, it's sort of like, it's almost as though they sat down and thought, what would, what would, what would viewers need to feel anything other than um, liquid disgust for, uh, for, for Jonah as a human. And I think they, they decided it was going to need to be sexual assault, um, which is maybe not incorrect. Uh, And I, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what they do with it because as, as, uh, as as you mentioned, it's it seems like it's very much going to be a running thread. Um, th- they've never really let me down with Jonah, is all I'll say.
0: Yeah, I think Simons is really good. The performance is really good in that, and also the direction. I love that there's no score in that moment, for example, in that scene. There's like a ding from the elevator, but that only heightens the fact that there's been no score underneath. Um, the the framing of it with Oswald at the start of the scene, it's very much emphasizing their height differential. And then at the end of the scene, they kind of go back to those, after leveling out and having a straight on camera, you know, at the beginning of the scene, the camera's looking up at them, which emphasizes how, you know, the height differential. And then as Joan is being assaulted, it's the camera straight on. And then it goes back to being that low angle shot again at the end Um, in a way that really seems like, you know, they're going for comedy and then all of a sudden it's not funny. And then we're back to the funny again at the end. Um, And yeah, if they're going to play it that real, it's like, he, Jonah feels like he's in a different show now for half of his scenes. Um, but again, they've earned my trust over a Beep, so I just it, I don't know what they're doing, but I guess I'm glad that they're trying something new.
2: Yeah. And if there's anyone that I trust to go dark and and still find avenues of humor, it would be this writing crew. Yeah. Uh, and spe- specifically Ianucci, who I know is on the way out, but I'm strangely not concerned about that
0: well, do you have any favorite moments or scenes that really worked for you any deliveries that stood out
2: uh everything to do with with Mike and his and his juicing uh <laughs> was was appropriately uncomfortable
0: <laughs> I like that the reason he's juicing is so that he can give up fruit forever if he makes fifty days that's that's pretty nice um i, I the shit hit the fuck. Shit doesn't hit fuck. <laughs> it was just delightful. Sue had some of my favorite lines this week. Um, I also just the the, the closing tag is, with with um, Julie Dreyfus was pretty fabulous. And like, there's this total White House, like West Wing kind of staffer, Chloe or Ally or Sally. They don't know her name. Yeah. But, like the hikers thing, and then that coming back, like that is a total West Wing thing. So to, to contrast the Veep crew with the kind of up story that Bartlett would get be getting updates on throughout the day, and they would come together, come to a head at the end of the episode.
2: Right, to... and there'd be like a tragic music cue. Oh
0: yeah, to have that, you know, kind of. I I really enjoyed that juxtaposition.
2: Right. No. Yeah. It's like who are, who are the hikers? Wait. <laughs> yeah. No, that was good.
0: Well, did you enjoy the Silicon Valley premiere uh, the same as much as you did Veep, or was uh, was it even more successful? And this, of course, is Sandhill Shuffle.
2: Uh, I thought it was actually really really good. Uh, I. I'm not sure when I dropped off from season one of Silicon Valley, but I definitely did not see like the back half of it at least, um, which I know you were a big fan of and I just never caught up with. Uh, so the show did some growing, I guess, that I never really got to see. And that's evident in, in watching this this premiere. Uh, I love how they leaned into um, the death of Christopher Evan Welch. And the, there was a solemnity to the episode that was appropriate but it didn't stop them from getting some laughs out of it, also, which uh, felt appropriate to the show. Like when when his death is being described.
0: Oh my god, that was fantastic!
2: <laughs> uh, it's it's an old gag, but it really, really, really worked. He um, hadn't
0: run in so long, yeah. Maybe um, ever.
2: <laughs> for a second, I thought they were because it seems like they're just going to give him this awesome off screen death, which would be a nice tribute. But nope they they make it into a joke, which was unexpected and delightful um beyond that uh it's just it's just so nice to see martin starr and and to see Kamel nanjiani in the flesh um as opposed to as a voice on archer uh and some of these people I hadn't seen in a while uh just uh they've they've got such great chemistry and uh as much as uh i'm i'm not wild about this the setting there is there's a level of um not just irreverence, but actual loathing for 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 uh, for tech culture going on here that I can get behind it.
0: Yeah, it, I thought this was a really solid premiere. Uh, had a lot of fun with it. I, I'm curious what you think. It seems I feel like the middle ditch performance has gotten even twitchier. Like they they they've focused in, or the the actor, if not, um, I don't know how much of that is direction, how much of that is the the actor's choice, but it seems like he's. Um, a lot more specific a character in this episode, or like with with personality ticks and all that, than he was in season one, um, and I I like that choice. I like making him more defined and less everyman. Um, I also liked the I could identify I guess with the 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 team at the baseball field. With like yeah, this is it's just not not my thing. Um, them like feeling bad that they don't care more about being at the at the field was was pretty great.
2: Uh, yeah, and just generally being terrified of uh of everything that's going on. Also, uh, I think I think we we need to reserve some props for T.J. Miller, who uh repeatedly seen stealing mm-hmm. this week. I think.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't like that. I'm, or I guess I just say I'm not interested. I don't find that character funny the way that everyone else seems to. Um, he's probably. I think he's such a very. A significant function on the show and i think the actor does a good job but i just am not interested that's not funny to me um usually that character but i did think it worked really well here and i think they have the the balance of the different characters in this premiere very well established we spent a significant time with with all of them uh, which was good i i like that they've incorporated another female uh, uh tech kind of person Monica has uh, been been there since season one, but of course she rarely gets much to do, and certainly not much in the tech world. Um, she seems to be much more the money person. Um, so I like that they introduce Suzanne Cryer as, as Laurie, who's kind of taking over. She doesn't feel like she has much of a character yet, but I'm hoping they'll explore her more in, in this season. They really, that's been a big flaw with the show, is its lack of any female voice really uh that monica character got almost nothing to do last year besides just kind of be nice and pretty and a potential love interest so uh yeah i'm really hoping that they'll escalate those two or the, that they'll give those characters more to do this year um and, and like you said so glad to have martin star back so glad to have Command nanjiani back I, those guys are just great i could watch them bicker at each other constantly
2: uh i i would add also i i, I really i really liked the uh the 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 string throughout the episode of uh, what about taking less money? Uh, This notion of if, if the tech com, you know, if, if the, if the bubble ex billionaires or whatever had a chance to do it over, uh, if they could have just renegotiated it and and done things in a more reasonable way, maybe none of this would have happened. (laughs) And, uh, and sort of the, the, the beautiful benefit of hindsight uh, as, as applied to new characters. I think that's actually a really interesting idea.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that goes, how that progresses. But I like that, that you're right, it's a good thread for this premiere and um yeah, it it's it's, it's a, I'm glad that Silicon Valley's back and it look I'm glad that they the direction they seem to be going is is of interest and it, it, it is some they're they're exploring some new ideas, which I think is good. So what wins your week in comedy then, Simon?
2: Ooh. Um <sighs> not very far from Peak, Louis. Uh Silicon Valley got better. I'll give it to Silicon Valley. Why not?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Silicon Valley too. I mean I liked the V premiere quite a bit. Um I liked I liked all these episodes, but um but I think I was laughing the most with Silicon Valley, so I will give it to them. Uh now we'll take a break and come back with our week in genre.
1: Do I let myself worry? Wondering what in the world did I do? Wow. Crazy for thinking that my
0: This week in genre, we're going to talk a little bit about the Game of Thrones premiere, The Wars to Come, and then we'll talk about the Fortitude finale, episode 12, Outlander by the Pricking of My Thumb, and Daredevil season one, just like it. Um, So (laughs) let's kick things off with a little Game of Thrones talk. Of course, the Sound of Sight Game of Thrones podcast will be back. Um, By the time you're hearing this, it should already be up in the feed. Um, So I'm not going to say that much because you guys can listen to an hour of me talking about it elsewhere. Um, But Simon, what did you think of this premiere?
2: I thought it was an unusually streamlined Game of Thrones premiere. Like, not checking in on too many characters. I've been under the impression that not all the characters are in this season. uh, And I don't just mean the dead ones. Um, We'll see if that actually holds true. But um, it felt like we checked in on maybe three fewer places than we usually do. Um, This idea that... um, Actually... I know you did a whole podcast, but I I have to ask. This whole idea that's brought up this week of um uh of Tyrion's going to be brought to meet Danny uh has that even happened in the books yet?
0: No. It hasn't. <laughs> uh there there's um that's that's clearly where that is going, you know, in the books, like the but they they definitely and obvious, and fans of the of the books have, are like they can't wait for that to happen because those characters are so awesome. Seeing them be awesome together could be even more awesome. This is basically how I feel when I'm reading the Game of Thrones books. Um, but yeah, that I, that has not yet happened. So I feel like by by so clearly outlining it or like just saying it here, like so we have the subtext of it doesn't have to be a man. And we're like, Oh shit. And then when, when, uh, but, but not just leaving there having Vera say, let's go see Danny. Um, I think kind of tells the audience that that needs to happen before the end of the season.
2: Uh, if, if not way sooner than that. Um, anyway, that, that kind of feels like a, like a line in the sand moment of, yeah. So TV shows here, books are there. We got to keep going with this guys. We got to keep going. Um, so that's really interesting. I'll, I'll be curious to see how publications deal with having expert reviews and non-expert reviews when the experts no longer matter. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, I uh, I liked everything we got with uh, with Mance, even if uh, I I didn't fully understand his thinking. I uh, the I, there is an integrity to Game of Thrones where uh, it's okay with just having us talk to Mance and. Um and we know his fate and that's what happens with, you know, a slight wrinkle of him getting an arrow to the heart. Um and it it just it just goes with that. It doesn't feel the need for uh any sort of last minute betrayals or uh, you know, twists and turns of nope, we're just gonna watch it happen. It's gonna be horrible, everyone's gonna watch, it's gonna be sad. And also the fact that he just doesn't wanna like it's uh oh, burning. Oh well. <laughs> That's uh, terrible. Yeah. I wish Kieran Hines had gotten more to do on the show, but he seems like a busy guy, so it doesn't really surprise me that he hasn't got, been on screen that much. It also might be a function of, of of the books. Um, but he was always great to watch. Um so I'm I'm i sad to see him go. Last thing I'll say is um I'm I'm more interested in Danny and her dragons than I am in Danny and the upteenth takeover of a Another picturesque little town that we don't really get to know at all, um, so I'm hoping that that's like a season long thing,
0: yeah. I'm also much more interested in Danny and her dragons as compared to Danny and actually ruling in pieces during pieces hard, um which is something they've been doing for the entire last season, and uh
2: the entire season before
0: that <laughs> what felt like it at least, yeah, um. Yeah, there, there's good stuff that will likely be coming with that arc. But yeah, I like that that you know, she gets to have the fun. Oh, when you chain up your pet dragons, they aren't happy. Uh, she hasn't always thought her decisions through, which doesn't mean that, that that wasn't the right choice to make at that time. But um, watching her deal with consequences should be, should be good.
2: Yeah. Also, I know I say this every season, but damn, they stepped out the dragon effects. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, it looked
0: really cool. Yeah, it was good, good effects. Um, yeah, so I I'll, I enjoyed this premiere. Um, I, I it didn't blow me away or anything, but I thought it was fine, uh, solid, I guess. <laughs> so sounds so underwhelming, but I'm like B plus is sort of how I feel about this premiere. Um right. But we'll I'll talk more about that on the Sound of Sight Game of Thrones podcast. Now, for now, let's move on to Fortitude, which had its finale episode twelve. Um, and what did what do you, you think? Did they? Did they do a good job, you know, wrapping up their story? Or are you just glad that there's a season two because you feel like it didn't wrap up the story?
2: It did not feel like a deliberate series finale. It felt like a, a, a season finale that could work as a series finale. Uh, I mean, it explains everything, I think. Uh, so, I mean, some some specific things about how the the parasite operates never really got explained. And we're just going to have to live with it, I think. Um, but you know, it, it, it ties up all the loose ends that it was gonna tie up. So yeah, how you do another season of this is a little bit of a mystery to me just because they've killed uh, everyone. (laughs) Well, they killed a lot of people, a lot of people. Um, although not as many as I was expecting, frankly. Uh, but you know, certain characters did end up alive that I didn't think were, uh, like Elena, for instance. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but it seems like the major conceit of the show was really the parasite. So, if you do another season, does that mean you have a new horrible thing happening to everyone? <laughs> Which just seems like a lot to be happening. Um, but anyway.
0: Well, they did uh, open up that giant mammoth graveyard that is theoretically... Those flies that we see down there, those are all bacteria-carrying. So, Or the wasps, I guess they were. Um, so that could easily continue or or rear its ugly head again in season two. Yeah. the, 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 the issue I have with the season two for fortitude, I'm sure that they'll come up with something new. I hope they'll come up with something new. I'm not sure. I guess I hope that they will, um, is that most of the characters that I am most interested in are dead. Um, I'm really not invested in Dan, the, uh, tragic love of Elena, you know, like Dan, the uh, mysterious sheriff who's got a whole thing going with the Tooch—that is interesting. Dan, the tortured, uh, obsessive over this this girl, not interested in that. I never invested in their relationship, and I never—I uh, didn't really care um, when he had to shoot her. Uh, so, so when we get to the, that climactic moment in the finale, it's clear that I was really supposed to be invested in the tragedy of that moment, and I. Completely did not care, even a little bit. How about you, Simon?
2: Uh, I liked, I liked how they they goose that moment just as much as they can. Like, f- for instance, um, you know, Elena's going after the kid, and most shows would have um, would would have her get shot before anything happens to the kid. Uh, only a crazy show would have her actually kill the kid. And Fortitude does as much as it actually can. It it does have her like. Get a good stab in the chest in there, you know, obviously not enough to kill her, but yeah. enough that it's deeply unpleasant.
0: um, yeah, <laughs> however, I do have to call bullshit on having Elena stop to have some raspberry jam so that she'll have red stuff on her hand.
2: uh I felt like that was that was weird, but it was um...
0: completely the only reason she did that was so that when she had her hand up with the knife, it would be bloody. That's like the the only possible reason. It's terrible. No one else who we've seen be infected and attack people has stopped for a snack. Uh
2: well, unless she's doing it uh to appear bloody so that she will be shot.
0: Yeah, she's not doing that, no. She doesn't know Dan's about to break in. I like that she has the 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 sense um awareness that something is wrong enough to to cuff herself to the bed. I don't know that I needed the clear Parallel that that draws least to me of her assault where she was handcuffed to the bed. To, to I
2: did that did not even occur to me.
0: Oh, it really did to me because we saw that like last week. Um, right, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't um, occur to you. Um, so, but I like that there's that foresight there from her that makes me like her appreciate her a bit more. But
2: yeah. I, I also like that the kid is just like just totally does not understand. It's just like oh, someone has locked you up. Let like, us free you. Yeah, you look all
0: beat <laughs> up and terrible. Somebody must have done this to you. Which is more what you would think, you know, but yeah. So anyways, I didn't invest in that. And I think that's a big, it looks like that's a big thing of what they're going to move forward with. I did really though, the, 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 what really did pay off for me in a way I wasn't expecting was the, um, I'm just gonna call him uh, Dr. Frankenstein from Penny Dreadful, the yes. the new guy in town. Who you know his recovery, um, I thought that did work very well. And his like that that scene shared between the two scientists at the end, I thought was was very moving. And I I hadn't invested in that character previously, so I I thought they did a really good job there.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, scientists in love, or you know, things like that are like one of my like I'm, I'm always happy with with those with mm-hmm. those pairings so that that's always nice to see um i also like the stuff with uh with the the governor and her and her husband and how have we not talked about the like 1700 minute fight scene set to patsy klein
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what was that and i mean that in a good way
0: it was pretty fun yeah um as for the the governor i i, I care about their relationship i'm not really interested in him as a person because the season hasn't been interested in him as a person yeah um and that's one of those things where it's like there's a number of characters that are here that we can care about next year but they're gonna have to put some legwork in and one of those is really is frank for me yeah definitely uh marcus is still around uh, but we don't care. Uh, well, then there's also Eric. I mean, there's mo- many of these characters. Many of the most interesting characters for me are either dead or um, have been written to a point where I'm not interested in them.
2: Uh, right. So we'll uh, see. The, the whole time that Marcus is giving that like big speech oh, about
0: god it was terrible
2: <laughs> i just i wanted one of them to be like why are you talking
0: it's like no it's the parasite look at this guy covered in wasps things no you're yeah wrong. it's a
2: parasite and you're an asshole
0: yeah that's that's what it is um do you have any final if, if, thoughts if
2: one of them if one of them had just said that to him it would have been the greatest the season finale best ever. moment
0: ever yeah uh do yeah. you have any final thoughts on on this season or on this particular episode I kind of got the
2: sense before this finale that this was going to be one of those more the journey than the destination shows, um, which it totally was. And I'm fine with that. Uh, I wish more people had been watching it so that we could have, have, have had more, more general discussion. General discussion. Um, uh, I, I mostly enjoyed it, honestly, for its aesthetic qualities, um, the cinematography, Ben Frost's music, um, and also just for for its willingness to uh to really embrace its its uh its genre elements in a way that similar shows have been reticent to do um and it also is in its avoidance of certain tropes that have become tiresome even if uh as you said many aspects i think still have yet to come together i'm very very curious um how they think they can do this again
0: <laughs> yeah yeah with without uh doctor who or uh, Dumbledore or Tucci or the like pooch. the Tooch without you know a solid chunk of the of the cast that I tuned in for and I know some other people have as well. Um, yeah, I look forward to it, though. I, I look forward to seeing what they come up with uh, during their off season. Yeah, yeah. I, and I I agree the aesthetics are just gorgeous. Um, and some people have been catching up with it. We did hear from Mario who has took advantage of um watchathon week where um a a bunch of uh different channels are are free for the week so you can basically the first taste is free and it gets you to want to Mm -hmm. buy the channel so he's been catching up so there's you know i know that more people are are becoming aware of it but yeah
2: yeah and i I will say like i want more shows um taking uh batshit insane chances that might torpedo it later uh rather than playing it safe and then just rinsing and repeating Mm -hmm. ella i don't know house of cards
0: yeah, I think I absolutely agree with that. Um, talking about taking risks or playing it safe, well, let's let's move on to Outlander by the pricking of my thumb, which both you know, returned us to Claire's point of view, um, but also decided it was going to incorporate some uh, s- some some witchcraft in there theoretically. Unless do we do we know that uh, did uh, dougal did he poison his wife? Long distance, or did she just happen to die?
2: I Not like she just happened to die,
0: and then, and then, um, the witch uh, air quotes uh, poisoned her husband because of that.
2: Um, I I don't know because I don't know about that. Um, it just seemed like she poisoned her because she wanted to. Well, <laughs> or, or poisoned uh, rather her husband because she wanted to.
0: Yeah, because now that his wife is dead. Let's get rid of she, my husband. She can, yeah. she
2: can get in on that action. Um, uh, it's Anyway, uh, it, there were a few episodes that I missed. Um, and by a few, I mean quite a few earlier in the show. So I wasn't aware if they'd done the witchy thing before. Um, I guess they hadn't. So this is a, an interesting development. I, I, I continue to really not like the whole um, antagonist girl thing. Um, it's not an interesting plot or character beat to me at all. I feel bad um, for that actress. Yeah, yeah, I do too. The, mind you, the whole uh, Claire being associated with witches thing, I think makes sense, given that she she is obviously she she is not one of yes. one of the other women. She is very clearly a thing apart. Uh, so it, that is a thing that makes sense to happen to her. I'm hoping that it, that it is handled uh, in a way that we haven't seen before. That would be nice, mm. uh, and I I think that's possible. Um, shout out for the. For the opening sequence, can we say that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, this is Outlander. Way to go. Way to go, you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Way to Outlander the hell out of that out of that opening, Outlander.
0: Well, and especially to have the the scorned woman pop up here and be like, yeah, he doesn't love you. He doesn't, he must be like, totally hate having to sleep with you and be like, oh, honey.
2: Yeah, you, I really... I wanted her to at least give her a look of like, like mm.
0: <laughs> you have no clue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Uh, anyway, I also really, I have to say, I think my favorite part of the episode was the, the non-dual. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just, I'm not sure I've seen that happen before in anything.
0: Yeah. Well then that's what they used to do. Um, so to see that represented was pretty, was pretty fun. Well, after, after a certain point, Nobody was actually shooting anyone, and which is why it was such a big deal when uh, Burr actually killed Hamilton, um, because like Hamilton's like we're doing this shooting off to the side thing, and Burr's like aha sucker. Right. <laughs> That's my understanding of the duel. Um. So uh. So yeah, to see that come up, you know, it, it was was a fun fun element and have that it- escalate everything as well.
2: Yeah, I, I just feel like TV and films have trained us that duels are a serious thing,
0: yeah, totally. It was a fun that was a fun character to introduce. I like the way that they um <laughs> it's a fun performance, I guess. And his fear his like, yeah, just tell tell your wife it's not my bad was was pretty great as well. Um I like having her because because Claire has so little agency in certain parts of her life. It's nice when she can find a way. To use her, you know, knowledge of the future in, in meaningful, small ways. As opposed yes. to foreboding, y'all are going to be dead in two years kind of ways.
2: I'll And, and by saying, I, I really hope they don't screw this next part up, is all I'll have to say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the last thing I'll have say is, um, I really didn't need... Like, if we get, like, one bit of voiceover. We really didn't need it. You could just have her go... Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. You
0: could just have her go, almonds. And... Everyone who's watching this show would know what that means, because we're all genre people.
2: Yeah, no, that was not a useful bit of voiceover.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, by by maybe by the end of this season or by next season, they will have really backed off of that, even further than they already have. Well, anyways, let's move on to Daredevil, because I'm sure we're going to have plenty to say about this. I've seen all of season one, because Friday course you have. was Daredevil day for me. Uh, it was... Get up really early, watch a bunch of Daredevil, go to work, come home, watch the rest of Daredevil until it was the next day. Um, how about you, Simon? How much did you watch? And what was, like, your pacing of it? Like, what was your experience with Daredevil so far? Um,
2: I watched nine. And apparently that is an amusing place to cut off. And that's all you've told me because you're very good about not spoiling me on things. Um I did not watch it obviously as at, at ridiculous a pace as you did. Uh, my 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 uh, my principal takeaway uh, so far is that this is pretty. I think it's good. I think it's a. I think it is uh, for what it's doing. I think almost everyone who is tuning in for a Daredevil show will be extremely happy. It seems like they already are. Um, when Stephen Estenite was talking about how he was going to make this uh, like the superhero equivalent of the wire or whatever. I now understand what he meant. Even if I don't like I, I, it was, there was a hyperbolic aspect and, a, and also an aspect that makes sense. My big problem with the show uh, is while it's entertaining and it moves and it's not now that I've watched nine, I basically have to watch the rest because why wouldn't you? Um, I think that uh, the, the, the many, many individual parts that help to make it the wire of, of, of superhero TV shows uh, aren't compelling on their own and uh, are deeply familiar. You know, you, you've got elements drawn from a couple dozen different places, uh, the, all of which I'm sure are represented in the comic, uh, and none of it feels novel or interesting. Um, mashing it all together in one show is kind of interesting, but not... Uh, not like super compelling to me personally. Uh, That being said, I think it's, it's mostly, it's very well cast. It, uh, like I said, it it moves, it's, it's very well paced. It's much more polished, much, much more polished than any other uh, superhero TV show I've watched in terms of pacing uh, and in terms of um, plot architecture, but it's also on a fundamental level, not really my thing.
0: Well, I think the two best things about this show um, are one. I mean, and again, we should say we're both not daredevil readers. Like I, I watched the the director's cut of the film. And, Why? Well, because it's a lot better than the not director's cut. So I saw the not director's cut, and then heard the entire internet tell me that the the director's cut was better. So I watched the director's cut to see if they were right, and they really were. Um, so. This is what happens when you're down at school and you literally know no one else who is... Uh, all of your friends from college have gone home for the summer. Um, anyways, uh, but we're not Daredevil comic readers, so we'll have a different... Probably a different relationship with this than, materials than, than they will. But for me, the most effective parts of this show are the characters and the, the character relationships. The, like the one-on-one conversations are i think really fantastic throughout that they've built up in, in just a couple episodes they do such a great job of building up um Matt Murdoch and Foggy and bringing Karen in she's rather damselly in the first um episode but um i can't say too much i like how that character progresses and i there's there's a um there's a bit of a rule of 3 thing with her by the end of the season that I really, really appreciate having seen, like being able to step back a bit and see the structure of, of some of the things with that character over the season. I did really like that. um, And, and even just like, you know, Kingpin and Vanessa and like all these like one-on-one scenes where people just talking are my favorite elements of this of the season. And then the other thing it does really well is the action. And I feel like most people are going to be tuning in, um, to watch Daredevil, I mean, assuming they're not us who are watching it because of Spartacus, uh, most people who are tuning in to watch Daredevil are going to be wanting to to see awesome fights. And guess what? There are awesome fights. Uh, they're, they're, they do a really good job. There's a good sense of there's a nice visceral energy to a lot of the hand-to-hand combat. There's uh, not nowhere near enough, like long-term enough injuries, but the characters do get beat up horribly even if they manage to be back on their feet in a couple of days. Um so yeah, there there's just a lot of really nice action elements to this that you don't haven't necessarily seen other places. Um you will have seen fights this good on on Banshee, on Arrow, and on of course on Spartacus. I mean I just think Spartacus is so much better because <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. I really liked the season. I had a lot of fun with it, but for me it felt so constrained by this world, by the fact that it was an adaptation. It is it feels very much like an adaptation. Um there are certain areas that I would love to see these writers and these directors have complete freedom with. And there's certain certain ways that they deviate from the comics that I've discovered. Yet this is never a show that's gonna be able to develop its own syntax the way that Spartacus did, or to just pull something completely out of left field, or to go gonzo the way that I know these writers can. And that is just... I, I watch this and I enjoy it, but I can't help but wish we had gotten to see... What was it, Incursion?
2: <laughs> yes.
0: That's my main <laughs> takeaway, aside from your, good job. Your, your
2: main problem with Daredevil is that it's Daredevil? The,
0: no, it's not that, another thing. Well, it's just that it's very good, but I would like to see this team get to do anything. And I feel it feels constrained to me.
2: Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's true of all the Marvel things. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. which is like, to me, like that's my, my principal issue with, uh, with the MCU is it's conservatism. And this is probably one of their less conservative efforts um, but it's still, uh, like, like, as you sort of, as you said, it's, it's very, um, uh, it's, it, it does nothing to, to contradict anything existing in, in the MCU. It, it does, uh, it adds some new notes, uh, for the MCU, but not new notes for anything else. I mean, this whole notion of like, I don't want to cross the line into, into killing people is, you know, Batman. Um, this whole thing with his, uh, this, this mentor character who shows up, at a certain point, every single beat of that is uh, extremely familiar. Um, the one thing that I think is kind of new and, and that I really appreciated is this idea of this villain who is uh, who has a master plan, etc., etc., but is like socially very awkward uh, and generally feels like a great big baby. Uh both in his look and in, and in certain ways of how he lives his life and how he needs his his uh, his right hand man to make his wine selections for him, and just generally is not good in around humans. he's not trying to intimi- uh, trying to intimidate. Um, I like that aspect, and I think D'Onofrio is good. Um, and that that humanizing the villain thing is the only real tie that I make to Spartacus other than, you know, the violence, which is nowhere near, obviously. Uh, and I feel like that's something that feels very specifically denighty. y uh, Other than that, it feels very tidily marvel which is not like super interesting to me.
0: Um, what I'll say about the episodes you have not yet seen. Um, I loved a lot of the, again, those one-on-one interactions that come up in episode 10. I... Um, What else can I say? There's some other interesting and good stuff coming um, in the next couple episodes for you. I want to do a season spotlight on this because I want to dig in to some of these performances and some of these like the handling of certain beats in this once you've had a chance to see it all. Um, So I think we're going to have to try to get a guest on um, (laughs) of which I I can already think of like 10 critics we know who have been freaking out about um, Daredevil on Twitter um, and who would probably like to talk about it. I don't like this as much as some people do. I think because there is a lot that's, like you said, Simon, that's very familiar, um, sort of these beats. Even so, even if I think it's a good, they do a good job with a familiar beat, I can't help but notice the familiarity of that beat, if that makes sense. Um, But I do really like a lot of the performances. I do like some of the character choices. I do like... I like costuming, I like the production, I like the sound, I like... There's a lot to like here. Um, and there's... I, I look forward to what season two could easily be, I guess is what I'll say. Until we do a season spotlight.
2: Right. The, the, the last thing that I'll mention is that the one, the, the one aspect of the show that I do find kind of subversive and timely is I can't re- remember another superhero thing that is this skeptical of cops. <laughs> like, at least... From this first nine, I don't know if something revelatory happens in the back four, but basically half the half the police force seems to be under the under the uh, the wing of uh, or under the payroll of this bad guy, and in every episode, it's just like yeah, don't call the cops. The cops won't help you. When they show up, uh, they're they're always on the payroll, and like even in even in the the dark and gritty nolan bat films those those movies worship cops and this this show doesn't quite do the opposite but it's definitely very skeptical
0: the nolan films pay a lot of lip service to this notion that gordon is the only not corrupt cop in Gotham, but when ever batman or any of the other characters interact with a random uniformed police officer they always also happen to be a you know the not corrupt ones, um. So yeah, I think that's that's if you're gonna if that's gonna be your world, I I really like the way that this show commits to that, um. And that's all I'll say. I also like the structure of the season. I feel like we can say that without spoiling too much. Like there's a, it's a very clear like halfway point. Um, like right. there's a like a mini six you know seven episode kind of arc thing, and then they pick things up again. There's quite a bit of standalone. So like the structure is interesting to me. I don't know how effective it is in the long run but there yeah. i like that there are some standalones i like that we get um a variety of characters and perspectives um yeah i think i'll leave it there any final thoughts there simon uh
2: nope uh, other than uh the the one sort of nitpicky thing that i know shouldn't bother me but did is uh as he sort of mentioned i don't mind anything about um the superpowers or um or his or his abilities and how they relate to combat I, I would have liked some explanation of how he's able to heal so fast
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I don't think he's supposed to have super healing I think we're just not supposed to pay attention to that but given how severe a beating he takes how you know so frequently yeah that's a yeah that's a good question yeah, he,
2: he should be dead by episode four like three times
0: yeah pretty much pretty much well what wins your week in genre?
2: uh i will i'll give it to game of thrones i thought it was uh a a very a very solid premiere to what i think will be potentially knock on wood their best season
0: and uh, i'm gonna give it to daredevil um because i watched all of it so my a lot of it blends in my mind and i did really enjoy myself with it um i was more invested in several of the the character beats and developments and relationships than i was in most of the fortitude finale and uh so so I'll, I'll yeah i'll give it to daredevil well now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our week in drama <coughs> This week in drama, we're not going to talk about the Better Call Saul finale, Marco, because we talk about that uh, with our guest, Vikram Murthy, in the season spotlight. Instead, we'll kick things off with a little bit of discussion, uh, at least for me, about the American Odyssey pilot. And then, well, that's right, guys. the The segment I know you've been waiting for. Our thoughts on the slap finale. The slap as well as uh, Justified, Collateral, The Americans, uh, One Day in the Life of Anton Baklanov, uh, then of course Mad Men, and uh, we'll round things up with The Good Wife. But first up, uh, American Odyssey premiered uh, uh, last week, and we were too, you know, too many shows to talk about last week, so I didn't get to that one. But I will mention it here. If nothing else, I was going to watch this, well, because I have to, because I'm crazy and it's a, a pilot on a network. So I make myself watch it, but I feel like Anna Friel. What is the name
2: of that disease, by the way?
0: Um, uh, sadism? No, no. Uh, masochism. Masochism. That's the one. Yeah. Um, but Anna Friel is in this. Who, of course, I thought was delightful on pushing daisies. Don't really know that she would be my first thought of a military woman. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting choice here. But I think she's fine in this premiere. The pilot. I, I thought the pilot was fine. Um, not offensive, but also not particularly interesting. There's they're clearly setting up a international espionage you know, thing with like a thriller and who can you trust and the, you know, I'm sure by the end somebody will have stolen the presidency. It's like one of those kinds of shows. Um, or at least that's what it feels like from the pilot. And uh I just the, the, there's, it's not doing anything interestingly enough for me to want to 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 put aside time for it on a very busy, at least what was a very busy night. So yeah, the the this premiere, Gone Elvis, I mean, or pilot, I should say. Like I again, I like Friel, I like some of these other cast uh, castmates uh, uh, cast members, but if I'm gonna watch an international story of intrigue and mystery, I'll watch the americans i'll watch any of the other more interesting shows in this vein so that is why i will not be watching more american odyssey um despite my enjoyment of some of its cast uh, i ask you this knowing your answer simon uh will you be watching no. american odyssey <laughs> no no okay no well, but-
2: I, I i honestly stopped listening when you said sunday
0: <laughs> well i know that you did watch though the slap you finished it up um Sl- What did you think of uh, these last couple episodes? The last time we checked in on it was like episode four, I think, episode five, something like that. Um, How did you feel they rounded out their season? And uh, what's your takeaway? Uh,
2: Has there ever been a show more doomed by its name than The Slap?
0: I don't. I mean, I really think the name is a lot of the problem.
2: I think it's the entire problem. Like if I don't know. You could have called it anything you called it you could have called it crosstown traffic you could have you could have <laughs> called it I don't know even the Apostolos or something. I don't know, uh although that wouldn't have been accurate um I mean, yes, the slap is technically an accurate title, points for accuracy uh but it led everyone to dismiss the show immediately, and I blame the people a little bit for that, and I also blame the show for that for being called that uh there are no innocents in this situation (laughs) um that being said i also can't blame people for dismissing it because it wasn't that good um i think that it it was doing a lot of things and i say was because apparently it's a miniseries and apparently it's over i think it would have been over even, even if it wasn't a miniseries um it was doing things that no one else was doing um and I think that made it worth worthy of being watched. I'm not sure if it was uh, all that great beyond that. I liked its willingness to look at the more unsavory aspects of parenting, uh, which so many other shows I think uh, idealize um, while also not being outright cynical about it uh, or really being cynical about it at all. I think, but rather being quite level-headed and, um, the uh the finale is strange because it doesn't feel like uh it feels like a season finale, I guess, but not at all like a series finale. Um like it 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 does not feel like a story that is over uh and yet it clearly very much is. Uh yeah, I don't know. It was such a strange show and like not just cuz it was called The Slap, but because I don't really know what their plan was for it. I don't i I don't know what the pitch was. I don't know how they thought people were gonna glom onto it, but I do think that the I do not think that that the that the critical and audience response was proportional to the quality of the show.
0: No definitely I agree with that and uh especially as they got further into the season and backed off of the narration, which we liked in the pilot but got overbearing. By like the second or third or fourth episode, um, they really backed away from that in the second half of the season, which was smart. But of course, by then, no one was watching. Um, with I think I think Gwen from the AV Club still watched it, and that is literally it of people I can think of that I follow on Twitter or that I talk to on Twitter. I cannot think of anyone else that is in the critical community that watched more than two episodes of this show. Um, and I think that is. You know, I, like you say, I don't think that's proportionate. Um, I can't really say it's a shame because there's so much TV that I can't really fault people for not sticking with mediocre. Um, but I do, you know, and there's a couple elements to this, the way that this comes together in, at the end that um, I had a couple of questions about. Like, if they wanted um, the Rosie having, you know, like, drinking and then nursing to be, like, so they, like, they wanted to us to invest more in, no, they're equally responsible because they were drunk at this party. I think they needed to show them being seeming more drunk at the barbecue. You know, like I feel like that's a perception thing where you get to the the second to last episode and all of a sudden it's, Oh, they're right. They, this, the, you know, the, the, you know, Rosie was drunk, and um, that's why her kid I was acting all weird because her kid was drunk off of breast milk. Let's not talk about how weird it is that she's breastfeeding her, like, five year old or whatever. But
2: <laughs> is um, that a
0: thing that some people do? It is a thing. That is definitely a thing I have heard of people doing. Um, yeah. So, and I kind of like that they didn't go into all of that, but to have there be character you know, like character elements coming up or discussing what the barbecue was like and to have no one mention that in court seemed a bit odd um, or like maybe maybe there's an unhealthy relationship here and so the kid's unhealthy home life is why he's acting like that kind of a thing. Um, but anyways, I do think that the, the stuff that they really dived into with Richie was very affecting. I thought it was well handled. I like you know like I was not expecting to get as invested in that s- side of things and so in the second half of the season you get the connie episode you get the Richie episode and those were more effective for me um maybe than some of the earlier ones uh, what like how did you think as a, as a, how did th- how did you think it came together by the finale like did you, did you was it were you happy with the court case did you feel like we spent the time we spent with these other characters was worthwhile or how did that come together for you
2: First of all, Rosie's lawyer was terrible, not like the actress, the character, uh, like the way that when they're just going in on Rosie and <laughs> apparently she sits there doing nothing. Uh, that really was glaring to me. Maybe that was just me anyway. Um, just thinking about the design of the whole season was really strange because, as you say, uh, those these sort of side characters kind of take over. Uh, which I think worked, but by the end of it, like you really, I really didn't have any sense of what was going on with with Peter Sarsgaard, or uh, or Minolis or or some other people that were in the periphery that used to be so important. Uh, again, it's it's the design of the season and the design of like what, like the the show didn't really feel like it had a thesis, and it really felt like it was gonna. So when it just ends, it's like, oh, all right. Okay, which was which, you know. There are worse ways to end a show, Uh, and I guess when you get that statement from Richie about watching the party, that is very like this was the point of it all in a way. But I didn't think that really worked. Uh, It was very, uh, it was it was very canned. But uh, I don't know. I, I I'm I'm still I guess I'm still thinking about it, which is a thing. But and I like that the ways in which it screwed up or didn't work were very much its own. Like I. Those were new. Those were new screw ups. I haven't been seeing recently. Um, yeah, I, I I admire the show for its ambition uh, and its willingness to take on this this big wooly story in probably too few episodes, um, and 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 to experiment and also to change to change itself up despite having despite being so short. Like you, like you said, the it does give up more or less on the narration uh, and other and other elements, even though. You know, it, you'd think for a show with that's with so short, it would stay consistent. I don't know. So much of the show is weird, and I wish that there had been more people watching it to talk about how weird it was.
0: Because mm-hmm. I do think I could talk about the show a lot. For a show, I could talk about the show disproportionate to how invested I actually am in it. Um, but I think we should move on, uh, which it's tempting. I really did like. I think my, one of my favorite episodes was the Aisha episode. I don't know how you felt about that one because when we talked about it, you hadn't seen it yet, um, and. I think they needed to either by the end say, no, these people are all terrible and they are not getting, they are not changing, they are not getting better. And this is a dark glimpse of the reality of humanity. Or these people all have struggles, but they're trying to be better and like have that be its message. And then they kind of go, don't commit to either. So at the end, when they have that, the, 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 the an, another dinner party, whatever, and everybody's there, you're like, wait, so the guy who hit his wife is still with his wife and we're supposed to just be okay with that because she is. Uh, And it's not like he says he needs to think about his anger and he starts, you see him trying to struggle against that. No, that's just there. And, but but, but that's the
2: kind of, that's the kind of weirdness that I like where it's like, where the show like, there's so many places where you would expect value judgments and they just don't happen either way. (laughs) You're like, Oh, we're just going to leave okay
0: okay so at the <laughs> all like, right at the end when um when Uma Thurman's character and is introducing uh, Hugh- uh Hugo to her baby I'm like why why would you do that he will break your baby I know you say that babies aren't so easily broken but that kid will break your baby
2: yeah also when she's just like how did wh- where's the guy oh it didn't work out
0: <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we so we it, it was an interesting experiment, I guess, us covering this lap let alone the show itself, but us talking about it, I think has been uh surprisingly entertaining for us. Um uh, but let's move on to a show that I know we're very invested in. By the time people are listening to this, probably they will have seen the series finale. But what did you think of the penultimate episode of Justified, Collateral?
2: Love that word. Um I wanna keep it relatively short because we're gonna do probably uh, a justified blowout next week i mean we it's we've been following the show for a few seasons uh pretty intently uh and it's 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 been a long standing favorite uh, of of both of ours I think the uh i mean the the big takeaway for this episode for me was uh it's really too bad that the show was not able to incorporate Shay Wiggum as a regular at some point along its run because he is so good in this episode. And to the point where when you get that speech from him early on about um, about Boyd and how he's like the Jesse James of Harlan County. Uh, and I was I, I was worried that they were already torpedoing that character because I, I, I liked him already and I didn't want to not like him. And then when it becomes clear later that that was just a ruse to stay alive, I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, maybe that was obvious to you, but uh, for me, that was a huge point of relief.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh my god, it's Shea Wickham! Um, and I liked him more on this than I have on anything else. I like, I feel like they got better use of him here, certainly, than they did in Agent Carter um, in his, like, what, 10 minutes of screen time? Um, and even I liked him more here than I did on, on Boardwalk Empire. Um, I, I think just the seasons that I watched of Boardwalk Empire, again, I feel like he got more to do here than in all of those seasons. But um, but yeah, it, it, that would have been nice if he could have been part of the world. But I also like that they can still surprise me in the second to last episode with an awesome casting thing like that that I somehow haven't heard about.
2: Yes, uh, I heard about it like like uh, actually, I heard about it last week because he's actually in the previous episode because he's driving the truck, but they didn't credit him. <laughs> 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 um, but like literally, he is he is physically driving that truck. So I thought that I, I I love reading those postmortems. Uh with With yo. speaking of which, one detail I have to mention from that is when uh, when Boyd and Raylan are in the woods and you hear um, Constable Bob, who's been shot crying out, that's actually the voice of Graham Yoast because Pat Oswald wasn't around. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed that. anyway, um I, I if they had to reincorporate Bob one more time, I thought this was a fine way to do it in in not too grandiose a fashion. I, for a second, I thought maybe they were going to kill him off, but then I was like, nah. I was convinced
0: Bob was a dead man. I was very <laughs> well, glad when they didn't kill him. I was like, oh, you sons of bitches, you don't get to kill Bob.
2: <laughs> yeah. I At a certain point, I, I realized that was not going to happen. Um, but anyway, uh, other than that, I really um, – let, let's, just, let's just do quarter bets now. Um, uh, or, or maybe you want to talk more specifically about the episode first.
0: No, okay. let's go. Let's go into the quarter bits.
2: Okay. So, who doesn't make it out of the out of the finale?
0: How many do we have to pick?
2: Uh, let's say four.
0: Four? You think four people are gonna get killed?
2: Oh, absolutely. Huh. Maybe not four. Let's say let's say three.
0: Okay. I think Raylan will survive.
2: Yes. So do I.
0: Um. I think Boyd will die. Yep. I don't, I don't know if it'll be by Raylan's hand, but I think Boyd will die. I think Ava could go either way. I think, I think Art could go either way.
2: Oh, you think Art's on the table?
0: I think Art's on the table.
2: Ooh. Um. Personally, I think the only uh, the only people dying are Boone, Markham, Boyd.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about 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 um Boone. Yeah, Boone oh, could Boone's definitely gotta go. He could. Definitely get himself killed. Yeah, I, that I think that's an excellent call, especially um, with the rumors out there, the, the the little hints that we've been given that maybe brush up on the pilot. Yeah, I would not be surprised to see Boone go. Um, Markham, I, again, I could see that going either way. I could see him getting locked up, or I could see him getting killed. I or dying. I don't expect him to to go free.
2: I think Boone kills him. Kills Markham, by the way. I think Boone makes a play for like I'm going to be the big man.
0: Really. Yeah, huh.
2: I don't know why I see that. I just I've been thinking that for a couple episodes now.
0: Interesting. Okay. Um. I don't know if he's that ambitious, Boone. At least uh, yet. We'll see. Well, okay. We'll Any see. other quarterbacks you want to do?
2: uh I think I think Ava lives. I think Art lives. I think, I think Raylan lives. Um. I don't even know if we're gonna get a Natalie Z appearance next week. Are we get? That's another thing to bet on. Are we gonna get a Natalie Z
0: appearance? I really hope we get an Alizee appearance if only as like a welcome welcoming Raylan to his you know home as a no longer a lawman. How about that? No longer a lawman?
2: Uh oh, definitely no longer a lawman. I feel like that's already been established. Uh um, okay. they they might even get away with a with a terrier style like short stint in jail and then he's no longer a lawman. <laughs> uh yeah, which would be interesting. Um yeah, okay, I think that that's that's enough that's enough quarter bets for now. Um, I thought it was uh, I, I think it's it's a good setup episode Um, I'm def I feel very strongly that they will at least do an okay finale I cannot imagine them doing a crap finale
0: I can't imagine them doing a finale that isn't satisfying I don't know if it'll be great but I think we will enjoy it
1: <laughs> yes
0: well let's move on to the Americans one day in the life of Anton Baklanov uh, what did you what did you think
2: uh, this was very much uh, a I feel like this is in fact the only uh get the pieces in place episode they've done all season,
0: mm-hmm. which
2: is kind of amazing if you think about it. like usually even with a even with a season of this length, usually you get at least two, if not three of those uh per season where nothing big happens,, uh, but you sort of sort of get get everything into place. Uh, and I think this is the only one of those we've gotten, which is uh which is really something and also for an episode of this type it's very watchable. I loved all the stuff with them. Um, I actually tested this out, uh the whole thing with oh you don't want to look someone in the eye. Look look at their nose.
0: Totally works. Uh,
2: yeah, it totally works. <laughs> I don't know if you tried <laughs> it. Um I I certainly did like the next day with several people. And uh yeah, so great thanks for thanks for the tip the Americans. See, um, this is
0: things that uh performers on know. <laughs> But <laughs> you look at the group, not the individual. Look at a speck on the face, so you don't see the face. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I, I
2: probably should have known that, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> no one ever told me. But uh, and also those POV shots were incredible.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, you're right. There's there's a lot of of place setting here, but with, like with Nina, with Paige, with you know another level of um, frustration, you know, between uh, Philip and. Uh, Franklin Gillis' character, there's, uh, I, I like, I like the way that's phrased by Philip. Eventually, you're gonna need to start saying yes. Doesn't need to be this, but you need to start saying yes. And I, I also really like what we get with Elizabeth, which is also place setting. But I feel like we get our first glimpse of how she could decide to leave, because before it seemed very clear that if one of the two of them was going to like defect, which I don't know if that's what their long game is. There. I don't know if any of them, either of Philip or Elizabeth, will or would ever defect. But if one of them was going to, it was clearly going to be Philip. And I like that we see for her, like, her daughter, knowing what she does and seeing her, makes it infinitely harder for her to do the things that she does. Because with Philip, they're they're both doing things they're not proud of, and things that they would be ashamed of normally, but they're, they've, they're, they're both on the same page. They're doing this for their country, trying to look her daughter in the, in the face after she's, you know, gone and seduced the guy at the hotel. And that is something new for Elizabeth. And I mm-hmm. like the show exploring that beat.
2: How did you take the actual scene with her and, and the, and the hotel manager? Uh, Cause that was one of the rare uh, Americans sex scenes that I wasn't quite, I didn't quite have a beat on.
0: It just seemed to me, I mean, again, it seemed to be to be that same idea of she really, she can't, she's trying to pretend, but she can't even do that. She's, she's failing. We've never seen her fail to seduce someone, but she's really, we're seeing externalized what normally she would bash down deep within herself Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, and so she can't pretend the way that normally she would. And, like, every other time we've seen either of them use sex to manipulate or control someone, the it has seemed like it hasn't phased them. Like, this is something that they do all the time. It's part of their training. It's not a big deal to them. Um, and so to have both this scene with Elizabeth at the hotel, um, where it does seem like it's really difficult for her— and then to have Philip bring up to, for the Frank Langella character, I was sleeping with someone for years and then I smashed her, broke her bones and shoved her in a suitcase. You know, like, to, to see them actually talk about that stuff, you know, the show discuss that again and bring it up as, no, this has been affecting them the whole time.
2: Yeah. This has not been a small deal. <laughs> just just so you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that stuff's been great. Uh, there's a lot of of plot for them to, to plow through in these last two episodes. Um, I'll be very curious to see how much of it gets put on the back burner for next year and how much of it they just keep roaring right on through.
0: It's amazing to me that there are only two episodes left because it feels like you couldn't possibly end the season in two weeks, not just with the plot, but with the character arcs, so like with where Paige is at, how is that something that you can have a season finale in two weeks?
2: Yeah, I I don't know. And The Americans doesn't do like 90-minute finales or any of that frilly nonsense.
0: Yeah, no idea. But I look forward to seeing what they come up with.
2: Yes. And can I just say one more time, bless FX for their willingness to keep it going even when no one watches it.
0: Yeah, it's really sad how few people. Like, we were disappointed how few people are watching Fortitude. We get it. Nobody has that channel. The Americans? Come on.
2: Yeah. Nope.
0: Well, let's move on to Mad Men New Business, and uh, we got a lot of time with Diana this week. Um, do you think she'll be back? And either way, are you were you glad to have spent the time? Uh, the consensus
2: elsewhere seems to be that no one likes Diana um, or is confused by why the storyline is happening. Uh, I'm quite pleased to spend time with Diana because uh, I really, really like Elizabeth Reeser. Always have. Um, and I was glad she didn't get Nev Campbell basically. Um, still, seriously, what was that about? Anyway, um, and also, I like the idea of Don, uh, meeting someone who can match or exceed him in torturedness, um, and seeing how he responds to that, because I'm not sure that's something we've seen before, or if it is, I've, I've forgotten. Um, so I, I just, I don't know, something about her performance has really got to me repeatedly, uh, in ways, uh, other, parts of the episode didn't. Um I uh I have to say while I was happy to spend time with Stan, um I really did not care about um this uh this this artist lady who was macking on everyone. I don't I I didn't really know what the point of all that was.
0: Oh I thought that was fun. Yeah, I like that. Um was it Pim or something like that? Pima. Pima, yeah. Uh yeah because it, it's nice to, to first of all, I'm just glad to get more Stan. Content, but it's nice to see that side of him come out a bit more. And uh, I mean, we can both relate to <laughs> the, the, how he's feeling. It's like, I have nothing to show, all my good stuff was so long ago. I'm sure we've <laughs> all had that yes. that moment. Um, and they did such a good job of capturing that. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought maybe Rogers was just full of swag in that role. Um, so fun, it's a like, different kind of character than we've seen on the show, and um. Yeah, I, I we get all. That also gives us the little moment with Peggy, which was delightful. Um, and I kind of I wish she hadn't undercut herself and and Stan at the at the end there, but you know, I guess our our, our Peggy gets has her feelings hurt too, at times. So um, yeah, but I I, I really enjoyed that. As for Diana. I like Elizabeth Reister, too. I think she's great. And I think she does a really good job here. But it's just such... I was just watching this going, ah, damn it, Don, you have a type. Um, And so because of that, it just felt like uh, here's another one of these women that Don is going to... You know, he really likes a tortured brunette or a complicated brunette or an ice queen blonde. Like, I want him to end up with a nice redhead. Just, like, stable, happy. Uh, Not Joan, but, you know more in that mold would be nice just just who knows but i'm just because we've seen various versions of this type of character the 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 tortured or the 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 he likes he likes to white knight basically so um that was you know i was like we only have four episodes after this week are we really going to spend one of those episodes on somebody who feels almost interchangeable with the various women don's had affairs with over the years
2: I don't know about interchangeable. Also we have five more episodes, sir. okay, um, five. But uh anyway, the um line reading of the week definitely goes to uh Vincent Carthizer for uh when when they go golfing, which unfortunately we never see. And uh he says, Oh, it's fine, I'll just bring my suit and throw my tie over my shoulders. I love that. Ugh, they probably will. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, Good stuff. Well, how about Megan? What'd you th- what'd you think of that corner of the show this week? I was glad to have her back
2: um uh, so was i even i thought though that she kind of overdid it with um i mean i know that she didn't steal all his furniture on purpose but uh (laughs) stealing all his furniture and taking a million dollars and not even saying thank you seems like a bit much
0: well i just assumed she was gonna send the furniture back but you think no
2: no i don't i don't think you you do that shot of his empty apartment only to refill it with his furniture
0: I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I don't think if she, if she didn't take a million dollars, that would be one thing. Um, but yeah, I did like, um, and, and if they had left, uh, left it on less congenial terms, then it would make sense more that she wouldn't bother sending the furniture back. Um, but I also think the episode is smart to point out that Megan picked that, everything there so nothing there really was uh, like defined Don, so Mm -hmm. maybe now he can he's he's starting from scratch he's starting over and he has to make these decisions of what he wants his apartment to be what he wants his life to be um yeah with the acts of like thematically i think it works great um on a practical level i agree
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh also i she doesn't like she's a, she's a little bit caricature-y, but I always really really enjoyed Julia Ormond who was hilarious throughout.
0: Yeah, she was pretty great and and me you know meeting the sister and having the sister there was was a lot of fun too and just the various Calvay women I think were all were all pretty great. Um any final thoughts on Mad Men?
2: Um Actually, the last thing I'll mention about about that is I I love the emphasis on just how Catholic the Calvays are uh which makes sense for 1970s Quebec. Um yeah, that's about all I want to say about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, it's nice to see that. It, it's nice uh it fits with what we've seen from the character, I think like having that background and yeah, it's good. It's um, I, you know, I, I always like when Megan pops up. I don't get the hate from some corners of the fandom for Megan. Um what about The Good Wife this week winning Ugly um is this is this are we on the same page with with Goodwife here as we have in the last couple weeks, or did they change it up?
2: Uh, I actually thought this was better than the last few. Uh, it helped that it was really only two plot lines, and I think both of them worked. Um, they really hit the fast forward button on the Kalinda stuff, which I was very happy with. in that first three minutes, it's like um, Wiley goes to uh, Diane, Diane goes to Kalinda, and then she goes to the partners and everybody knows. And that's before the title card even drops. Uh, so I was really pleased that it just went, like, boom, boom, boom. Let's get through this. This is horrible. Oh, my God. Um, and before the ep- the episode's over, they presented it in court. So that was great. I uh, really like the-, the speed with which all that moved. Um, also makes pretty clear, you know, if someone's going to make a tremendous self-sacrifice to bury this, it's pretty obvious who it's going to be, despite Carrie's moves uh, mm-hmm. in this episode. So, I mean, if, if they... If they're gonna go that way, uh, it, it it it's it's pretty much what I expected, but I'm glad it's at least happening in a in a swift way. Um, and I actually really liked the Alicia stuff this week. Um, I for for some reason maybe it was just me, but I actually found the scene of of Ron Rifkin's betrayal quite gutting uh, in a way I wasn't really expecting.
0: Yeah, I, I was immediately like, as soon as she's saying, "Well, I still have my lawyer," I'm like, "Dude, no, you don't." why would you think you have that lawyer? That lawyer was given to you by the party. Of course, this is not about you. Um, yeah. So I, I was, so of course I was absolutely expecting him to turn on, you know, to throw the match at the end there, but, uh, to, to do it in such a personal and, um, inflammatory way. Uh, Alicia Florek has been lying and all of this stuff, um, to make it so personally damaging to her reputation. um, was very harsh, so I thought that that, yeah, I thought that was a very effective scene. Um, it's also the, like the, the one
2: time it's not true.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, I I don't really, I like that. Like you say, the the stuff with the metadata gets just they just fast forward on that. Bring you back around to Bishop. Um, when when Diane says, "Oh, we're back where we started," I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, we are." why why are we back to where we started
2: (laughs) uh uh i I don't really have a problem with that um it's from what i can tell it's the first time they've ever done a season-long thing like where it's been the concern was this at the start and the concern is still that um which feels strange it 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 definitely feels like we should have dealt with this by now um but I think they they've always they always had in their back pocket that they were gonna need Lamond around to uh, help facilitate the Kalinda exit because if they didn't have that they would have to rely on one of their many many other worse characters to do that <laughs> who we haven't seen in a couple of seasons or invent a new one um, so you know rock hard place but and they, and they can only do Will so many times like once <laughs> uh, they they already used up that card uh, I mean. I guess my question is, does Kalinda die, or does she just get candided?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I'd expect her to get candided. I don't think she's going to die. Because that way they can always bring her back for the finale if they want. I don't think they will, but they could, you know? I I would be surprised if they killed off another significant character. Um, But we'll see.
2: Um, I also wanted to give some love to the sequence in which... uh we get the funny-or-die style treatment of Alicia's emails. Uh, Not only because it was funny, um, which it was, but usually when they do an internet culture thing, it's really shallow and awful, to be honest. Um, But this, actually, I thought the video itself worked, and I really loved the scene of Grace watching it and Alicia, Alicia listening to Grace watching it because it makes total sense that she would uh she didn't necessarily have the 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 guts to just read the emails but she thought maybe if she could watch like a parody of it it would be easier or at least on like a subconscious level and it totally is not easier it just if anything makes it worse uh, that whole scene i thought was just fantastic
0: yeah i like that that alicia is honest with her to a point she doesn't say more than she has to um but yeah, uh, and, and that, that hug at the end is all about Alicia and not at all about Grace, and Grace knows it, and that so that, that ending with that hug and that dead look from Grace, she's like, I don't want to be hugging you right now, um, but I don't get what I want in this mother-daughter relationship, was particularly like a little sting at the end. I um, thought that was really good.
2: Uh, yeah, anyway, I I thought better than the last few, which have been sort of dispiritingly mediocre. I'm hoping they can I mean, I'm trying to think what they can do with the rest of the season besides get rid of Kalinda that'll be, like, super compelling. I don't really know what it would be.
0: Yeah, I mean, neither. This whole election thing has just felt like such a detour. And then to end this season with her not actually having the job, it just – it really feels like a restructuring year <laughs> without you – yeah, know, like, I feel like a lot of this you're going to be – we're going to start in season uh, seven um, and just say, okay – Everything that happened in season six, we could normally the Good Wife would have done in three episodes, um, and instead they it took a season to do it. Um, but I, again, as ever, I hope to be wrong. I hope to them to that they'll have fantastic episodes for the next several weeks going into the finale, and we'll be riding a high again before the next season. But who knows? Uh,
2: I I will just add that uh, I really loved uh, Chris Noth didn't get a ton to do this week, but I did love. When Alicia runs over to him and 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 talk and is steaming about the uh the the, the twenty twelve chips or whatever, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, oh, that's interesting. Uh, not my problem. <laughs>
0: like,
2: <laughs> interesting, but not my problem."
0: <laughs> I didn't do that one. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Well, what wins your weekend drama?
2: I will give it to Better Call Saul, of which we will have more to say later.
0: Okay, and um, I'm gonna give it. I think I'm gonna give it to Justified. Um, yeah, there's there's stuff that I liked here, but again, like you sort of like you were saying, a lot of this was not peak that show. So there, you know, there are Better Call Saul episodes I like better than the finale, and certainly for the Americans, and um, this Slap was never going to be in contention. Let's be honest. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I think I'll give it to Justify this week, and All right. we'll see what happens next week. But for now, we'll uh a, sh- a few show notes. You can find a post-up for this episode at org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can also email us, televerse at gmail.com, or you can like us on Facebook to follow the goings on SoundSite TV and continue the conversation over there. You know, talk with uh, Talk with Kevin about what you guys thought this week, and of course, we'll chime in. Um, as well. You can also find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed, and an MP3 unchaptered feed, and we would appreciate if anybody wants to leave us a rating or review. It's been a while. It'd be nice to, to get a few more of those. It does help other people find the show. And you can also, of course, uh, follow us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse, and you are?
2: At Sucker Hell.
0: And what is our question of the week?
2: Well, it's it's premiere season, which also means it's finale season. Uh, so, I mean, we've got Americans doing its uh season Finale in a couple weeks, justified series finale in uh, tonight as we record. Mad Men series finale very soon. Uh, what what are what are you most anticipating? What are you most uh, dreading being gone for a year to forever?
0: <laughs> um, I was surprised by how much I missed Mad Men upon watching the premiere um how how glad i was that it was back but i also if they can nail the justified finale that's going to make me really twinge for that show as well um americans is great but we we have another season coming so that's not as, as that's not as bit sweet for me um yeah i think i'll go i think i'll go mad men um because i've been less up on these last two seasons of justified a couple years ago it would have absolutely been justified uh-
2: I'll say that, like, I, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what to expect from the Justified finale. Maybe not the individual beats, but there's there's some stuff that I'm pretty sure they'll do. I, I have a pretty good idea of what it's going to feel like. Uh, I really have no earthly idea how they're going to add Mad Men. Um, they, there's a few things they could do, um, and they'll probably—Weiner's a sly mofo. I, th- I think he'll, he'll find— uh, Uh, I'm curious to see what sort of serpentine plan he has for what he what he decides is is a satisfying ending. Uh, I know that someone who worked on the show has already hinted that um, some people will be angry, which which Mm -hmm. is my favorite thing to hear about a finale in advance. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely most interested in in, in what happens with that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it helps, I think, for both these shows that it, it does feel like time. It's it's time for Justified to end. It's time for for Mad Men to end, even if maybe I want a few more episodes, then yeah, I don't want a whole nother season of either of these because um, I want them to end well, I guess. So that that does at least take the sting out a little bit for me.
2: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that.
0: So let us know what you think. Um, I, that's going to be interesting. Um, but now we'll take a break and come back with Vicar Murthy of the A.V. Club to talk about season one of Better Call Saul.
2: I'm number one on your speed dial right next to your weed dealer. Please call me. McGill! James McGill! I'm an attorney! It's showtime, folks. I don't go looking for guilty people to represent. Your Honor, I'll never
1: do it again. I told you, suit, remember? That's a loner, okay? I need it back.
2: I mean, who needs that aggravation, right? <laughs>
1: The hell kind of math is that? Seven hundred per defense. The money
2: is beside the point.
1: Here's Johnny. Money is not beside the point. Money is the
2: point. The day of reckoning is here. It'll be a cold day in hell before I do any more PD work for this shitty court.
1: I was in that court back there saving people's lives. Thank you for restoring my faith in the judicial system. Now you either pay the three dollars or you get an additional sticker. Employee of the month over here.
2: Yeah. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Hamlin, and I won't have it!
1: What can we do for you, Jimmy?
0: We're back with the Televerse. This is Kate Calsick, joined as ever by Simon Howell. And this week, it's time for another season spotlight. It's been a while, but we thought we should bring it back because it's been a fantastic first season of Better Call Saul and such a wonderful surprise for 2015. Um, So we're glad to have the season spotlight segment back. And we're even more glad to have returning to the DVD shelf Mr. Vikram Murthy from the AV Club. Vikram, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. So what made you want to talk about Better Call Saul? I I, I was very um, not thrilled about the prospect of this when it, when it was announced, because I was like, why you're going to, and i was so glad to be so wrong. Uh, Did did you have a similar experience or were you excited from the get go?
1: I I wouldn't say I was excited, but I definitely, um, I definitely liked the idea. And I think that if you were going to do a spinoff, it would be great to focus on Saul. And I initially thought, I think like when the announcement came, there was some talk of it being like a half-hour comedy, and I thought that would work great. Um, I, I was definitely one of those people who was okay with it. I, I didn't see it as like a massive problem, but I didn't think it would be this good at all. Like I, I had no idea it would be what it is now, and I'm thrilled to see it develop really well.
0: It's been uh, such a wonderful surprise, and but the most fun thing about it for me has been how much of an idiot I felt like looking back. I was like, well, of course, in hindsight, it makes sense because you have this, this production team who have all these years of experience of working together in a similar aesthetic in the same world, even though this has its own tone and we'll get into that. But of course it would come off out the bat, you know, as long as they knew, as long as the writing was good, as long as they knew the characters, why wouldn't every element of this show feel like it's the season five of a different show?
1: Absolutely, I, I, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. I mean, it's funny. Like, I, not until I started watching Better Call Saul was I, I, I actually like began to miss Vince Gilligan on TV. <laughs> like, I, I just realized, like, oh, this is why he's great. Like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, Simon, I, I definitely had that experience. Uh, I, I want to say you did too, but I don't want to speak for you. Is that were you did you not realize how much you'd miss Gilligan until it came back?
2: Um. I think that that's fair to say, Uh, you know, watching, thinking back now on, on sort of how, uh, how the whole thing happened, you know, they announced Better Call Saul, I want to say a little bit before the last half season of Breaking Bad, or maybe a little bit before that or a little bit after that, but we knew it was coming even before Breaking Bad was over. Um, And I distinctly remember that because I remember, well, Saul can't die now. Uh, because <laughs> because now this they they just really don't want to shoot themselves in the foot on that, um, and it really seems like uh, when when Breaking Bad wrapped up, um, they were at they were at the wrap party and said, "Well, I'll see you all again on the side of Better Call Saul," and then just <laughs> they went straight from one to the other. And obviously Gilligan's not as involved uh, here. I mean, Peter Gould acts as showrunner and and wrote uh, key episodes. He also created the character of Saul. So it makes sense that, that he is, he's the head honcho, but he's clearly uh, learned a lot from, from working with Gilligan. Um, What I find interesting though, is that he clearly has uh, a distinct sensibility that is his own and something that I've really enjoyed um, about this season in particular. And I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that it will carry on to the rest of the show has been the, um, the profound influence of a certain generation of American films, uh, particularly from the mid set like I would say early to, to – we, we we can just say from the 70s, I guess, especially uh, American auteur cinema from from that period. There is at least one reference to a film usually of that era in every single episode, but more importantly, the filmmaking itself in how patient it is. And in its willingness to, I mean, we we should talk about, a little bit about the uh, the season finale since we didn't get to talk about it on the on the, on the televerse. Um, that montage we get of uh, of Odin and Mel Rodriguez and their adventures in conning and the and the wacky colors and the and the visual overlays those are that was not a contemporary feeling sequence at all, and I mean that in the most delightful way possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I um. I found that sequence to be uh, absolutely delightful. And second to personally the bingo scene in the finale, I thought was absolutely brilliant. I thought the way they sort of ratcheted up the tension with the, uh, like the rattling of the bingo balls, like high up in the mix of the sound design coupled with uh, Odenkirk's just absolutely brilliant acting with, Uh, him just having like a very public nervous breakdown in front of these senior citizens at bingo day. I don't know. I thought, I thought that scene was just, I I liked the show up until then, but that scene was just sold me on how great the show could possibly be. Just the way that scene almost like felt so long and it never ended and like forced you to sort of like watch this man fall apart and, and turn his back to a lot of values he had. I don't know. I thought I thought that scene was just tense and stellar and like it, it 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 sold me on the finale just completely. Like I love that.
0: Now here's where I lose my TV credit card, um, because everyone agrees with you guys <laughs> about uh well I mean I shouldn't speak for Simon I, don't, I I everybody agrees with you, Vikram, about that bingo scene. Um and there's stuff about it that I really very much appreciated. Like you said, the the continuing to like constantly going back to those bouncing balls and the tension of that and the way it goes together and um, it's edited together. And, um, and of course, Odenkirk's performance is fantastic. Uh, But I, I, I I I was like, can we wrap it up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I know it makes me a bad critic.
2: (laughs) Well, no, I don't think it makes you a bad critic, but uh, one of the things that I loved about that sequence is I think it's in the first or second episode when we get a reference to network um, when he when he's giving that uh, that that Beatty speech about you've messed with the primal forces of nature or whatever. <laughs> um, and when we get this sequence, the this to me it's it's their homage to to if they're more direct homage to network, it's it's Odin slash Saul uh, slash Jimmy's. Um, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore speech, and it's probably at least as long and almost as um I mean what what I was I don't mean to uh get too autobiographical but when I was growing up I I went to I was in theater school and I actually did that monologue for an audition because I was stupid um <laughs> and and I got, got total flashbacks to that particular sequence while watching uh while watching this because it has that same uh sort of overblown theatrical long-windedness that like I know that if there's, like, 13, 14-year-old kids watching this now, that's that's going to be their audition piece for, like, f- for some crappy theater company, for their local crappy theater company, uh, like, immediately. And I'm looking forward to never watching that happen.
0: One of the things I did really <laughs> like about the scene, though, as I was, you know, wanting to get... Like, I loved the, the montage of the the scams. You know, like, I, w- I was wanting to get to the next part of the episode. Um, was... That sense. It's the same sense I got in the uh, Mad Men finale from the end of season six, where you can see Don when he's talking with the Hershey guys and he just he knows that he should shut up, but he can't really. He knows this is a terrible idea and that he's oversharing, um, but it doesn't in this moment, it doesn't matter and he can't stop. Uh, I, I really got very much the same sense in that scene, and the um, I, I I can't credit Odenkirk enough for that performance. Just the as he, as his, because you can tell it's boiling away underneath for that whole scene, his anger, and um and, and and just like this need to to let everything out, and every time he gets a B, he just gets a little. He knows he's getting closer and closer. And he can't, you know, like I just the the escalation of that I thought was was fantastic, and it's been so great to watch Odenkirk really stretch his legs over the course of the series. I I didn't know how much more I could like him until this show because I loved him on Breaking Bad, and you know he's been great for so long, but to see him just stretch this completely different muscle. In a scene like the end of Pimento and then a scene like this bingo sequence from the finale, it's been it's been wonderful. And, you know, they say dying is easy. Comedy is hard. We already knew he was great at comedy. Uh, so, so that's not a surprise to to see him be so good in such different tones over the course of, of this season. It's just been, I think, probably the biggest delight of it for me.
2: And, and I, I think in that bingo sequence, you're really seeing um, as great as he's been throughout the season you're seeing the coup of casting a great comedian in a role like this because where where certain dramatic actors I guess might be tempted to do more of a slow build or something, um, a guy like Odenkirk who 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 really understands comedy and no, knowing how to sell a bit, um, that must have just been catnip to him to get those Bs, those twelve Bs in a row or whatever, and you can connect that to 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 a, a Mr. Show sketch or something where it's like where he knows exactly what to do to make every single one of those bees really hit you and just to, and to make the most of it and to be able to go big like that uh, in a way that actually feels consistent with the character.
1: It's really funny that you, you mentioned that because I've been rewatching some Mr. Show episodes with my roommate um, just for kicks and just sort of amazing to watch Bob Odenkirk and Mr. Show and then Bob Odenkirk and Better Call Saul and how he uses a lot of the same sort of comic techniques but for dramatic ends and and it really just shows that like he was back then obviously, but it was for sort of a more absurd, more outlandish purpose. But here he can be really over the top, really muted, uh, kind of, you know, emote a lot of layers of, you know, his psychology, which I think is just really great. And it all sort of, you know, he was great up until that scene, obviously, but that scene I think really just sort of, Sealed it for me, or I was like, "Oh, he's really exceptionally good," and I keep forgetting that. And I think that was just the final nail in the coffin of, "Oh, yeah, he's like top notch, one of the best actors working on TV today, without a doubt."
0: It's been a lot of fun for me this past week to talk about the this finale, but the, really the whole season of Better Call Saul, particularly with uh Depyans and Gupta, our managing editor for TV over at Sound On site who is wonderful, um, and we should have a piece. By the time people are hearing this, it should already be up at town on Site, Uh, Because I discovered in talking to Defian that he had never seen Breaking Bad. It <laughs> seemed like a, maybe... Because we were talking about, wouldn't it be great to have somebody who's seen the show and somebody... Uh, Breaking Bad and somebody who hasn't seen Breaking Bad talk about Better Call Saul and how that affected their experiences? like, but we're not going to be able to find someone... Who hasn't, know, who hasn't yet. watched Breaking catch- Bad? Uh, uh which was delightful, um, because of course he hasn't yet, and now he says he's going to wait until after Saul. We'll see how that goes. But um, anyway, so it was so so much fun talking to him because getting that getting that perspective of of the show. Um, from someone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad and so doesn't know this visual style that you know, that we were talking about earlier as being so uh, Vince Gilligan or just really this production team um, and is used so well here on, on Better Call Saul. What I think has been particularly fun, like an extra level to Better Call Saul for me, but yet not something that I feel like is a detriment to those who haven't seen Breaking Bad, and especially after talking to Depay and I feel confident I can say this, um, is that... I love how this show has kind of been screwing with our expectations um, for certain characters based on knowing who's going to be there and who's not going to be there in in uh, Jimmy or Saul's life in the future. Um, and I think that that for me, the biggest part of that has been Chuck, the Michael McKeon character, because I love how they for that's I think that was the biggest surprise for me. I didn't, you know, having, bringing Michael McKeon on and, and his rapport with Bob Odenkirk has been great, but that character is just, again, one of those really distinct kind of better call Saul, uh, breaking back kind of characters. But the way that they set him up in those early episodes, you, you can see him and he's so, he's so frail or so, he needs so much help that you feel like, okay, so we can see what's going to happen eventually. Something, you know, he's going to deteriorate. He's going to have to go to the hospital. And that's why he's not in Jimmy's life when, you know, Breaking Bad happens, and then to have that arc go a completely different direction, I, I for me it feels like the writers are just sort of ha- having fun screwing with audience expectations. Uh, do you guys get that same sense, or am I like just getting too much enjoyment out of their potential glee at screwing with us?
2: I mean, that's that's definitely part of it, and <laughs> these people know from working on Breaking Bad that people are going to be analyzing every pixel of every frame. For anything to connect to Breaking Bad because they know what kind of fan base they're dealing with, um, and but at the same time, like I, I think that they found a really great balance of finding little payoffs for people, like a mention of Belize, or um, or when uh, somebody posted a, a frame, and I, I guess it was there, I don't rem- remember it, but but on Breaking Bad, uh, Saul once said, "I told a woman that I that I was Kevin Costner." And she believed me because I believed it, um. And we, when we see that, and like I, do, I would not have remembered that, but I'm sure some, of, clearly some enterprising people did. But callbacks like that, that sort of help reinforce the universe without overwhelming you with their sheer blinding cleverness, uh, have have been really great.
1: Absolutely. I also, um, I, I, you know, it's really great to hear that someone who hasn't seen Breaking Bad can really enjoy the show because I definitely think that. Uh just from watching it I got the feeling you didn't really need to see it. I mean I think there's some layers that kind of will gain some resonance if you had seen Breaking Bad, but I definitely don't think it was necessary. But to go to your point about audience expectations, I completely agree with the story about Chuck. I definitely didn't see uh his betrayal coming and it was really I was like that was the other moment where it was really heartbreaking just to absolutely watch like Chuck turn his back on uh, Jimmy's chances, like to work with him and to be a lawyer and all that. And I, fu- I found that, I mean, I know we're talking about the finale, but I found that scene in the end of episode nine to be really stellar. The way it's sort of, it's this big empty house, but like, it's a very intimate claustrophobic conversation. And I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Michael McKean is just another stellar actor working on the show, but I definitely think that there's something to the idea that there isn't going to be the crazy explosions and of violence or of, you know, sort of menace in breaking bad, but the explosions come from more intimate betrayals and intimate, uh, sort of misunderstandings or miscommunications. And I really like that sort of shift away from Gilligan's, uh, I don't want to say larger, more epic sort of actions, but, I, I just like that Gould is going in a more sort of small scale direction that I think works really well and is echoes uh, Breaking Bad as an end in- parcel with Breaking Bad's climactic, uh, you know, actions at the end. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, and and again, when we talk about these ties between Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I think, yeah, uh, I, I I'm sure I'm not the only one who's a little nervous when Tuco shows up at the end of the pilot we're like oh we're going to is this what we're going to be doing but then that's yeah. the only time aside from Mike who's a strong supporting character that we have a character overlap or where there's a some something that if you've seen Breaking Bad you're like oh my god and yeah. you you know like there's the only other character the rest of this world is so fully fleshed out and explored um, full of completely original characters. So you know Chuck and Kim and uh, I mean even just like like Nacho. I think bringing in, being able to bring in that world of of Tuco and and that the the drugs and and all that, but with the Nacho character instead of the Tuco character is something I'm really looking forward to in season two. And not just because it's wonderful to see Michael Mando get to you know not play Vic <laughs> Vic the Dick, <laughs> um, but but even just like every other. Having the only overlap in, in characters be, aside from their two kind of central and supporting roles, just be that one or two episode cameo basically of Tuco, I think really was one of the smartest decisions that that this season made.
2: Yeah. I would add to that that um another sort of progression that I that I really enjoyed was the uh what we got with Hamlin. Like Patrick Fabian is so good at Playing the loathsome creep uh, or, you know, the or the, you know, the white collar asshole that you really don't see it coming when he turns out to be uh, maybe still a jerk. uh, But at least uh, he's he's just as much putting up a front as as Jimmy is in certain respects uh, and as all the other characters are. And you realize that he's really not, um, you know, he he, he has a utilitarian side, but he's not uh, the complete monster he maybe even wants to appear as and having him get this this own almost sort of invisible arc uh throughout the season was really lovely as well.
1: Yeah, I I um I definitely think Howard's character was really interesting because they sort of kept him in the background um and then you know they it almost like again the audience expectation things they set up this whole thing of him being the opposition of him being this jerk who's kind of keeping Jimmy's dreams down and then they have that whole scene in the mailroom like in the middle of the season, where we don't get to hear what's going on, but effectively Howard tells Jimmy that he can't; we're not—they're not, not going to hire him—and we'll see in six months. And then, sort of, the ball drop was that he's all being—he's being controlled by Chuck; that he's really just another puppet in the system. I thought that was a great development. Um Yeah, I don't know. That's—I—I I, there are things like that that seem to be crossed over from Breaking Bad. Like, there's a lot of the same sort of mechanical uh, plot development things, but I don't know. It's put to really different ends that I find like very interesting at the very least.
0: Well, and I think one of my favorite moments with that character comes in, what is that in the finale? I think it is um, where he sees the list of things that Jimmy's mm-hmm. been doing every single day while he is also starting up a fledgling law practice and also trying to, you know, doing public defense work. It's like, how could you possibly be, you're, you, you have to, you're living Chuck's life for him. You're like, you're allowing him to live his life (laughs) with several hours of your day. You're structuring your entire day around helping your brother every single day. And you're also doing insane amounts of work and like doing like just the legwork to bring the Sandpiper case would be a full-time job. But to you know when he, like the respect in and the astonishment and the respect because he already was happy to to bring um, Jimmy on board like respect him as a lawyer you know because he did this case and it's you know it's good enough work that he earns you know, a partnership, at least a partnership track position at the firm. Um, at least it seems like that's what Hamlin believes. But then when you add this, all the this stuff on top of it, it, it was just a wonderful small beat. And like you say, Simon, Fabian gets cast in these kinds of roles a lot, and he's delightful in them. Even I'm just thinking of like Pushing Daisies and stuff, these other places he's popped up in a very similar role. Um, but to add a, just like a little more human beat on top of that was, was a particularly nice moment. Um, and then to... On the other side of things, you have the Kettleman's, which, I mean, not even just the Kettleman's, but Mrs. Kettleman. I think she's just, she's straight out of, like, Fargo, right? She's straight out of the Coen brothers, and she's delightful and hilarious. And, again, this is another face we've seen recently because she was on the TV series Fargo as the sheriff's wife in a straight dramatic role. So to see her play the other side of the spectrum here has just been, again, delightful.
2: Quick side note, when you reeled off the list of all the things Jimmy does i I realized that he's daredevil
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: anyway whoop,
0: whoop. okay any thoughts on on the kettlemans
1: um i they were great characters. I just found them uh reprehensible people i don't know like well it was, yeah it produced, it produced such a like I, I was actually surprised at my like the gut emotional reaction i had against them. And I, I was a little freaked out by that because it, it was similar to how I felt about, uh, Walter White at some point in time. Like it was just this emotional gut, like, oh God, you're just awful. But obviously they're not, they're not even in the same league of evil. But I just found it really interesting how they can construct those characters that are just push all the buttons of either just, uh, irritants or just, I don't know, like it, it's, it, it, like they weren't grading, they were great characters, but it just, It completely, it, it rocked me. I don't know. It just rocked me. Their whole, the, the stubbornness and the, um, the sort of glassy eyed, like, we can make it kind of thing. (laughs) Absolutely drove, drove me up the wall. But it was, what was interesting about that is when they both accepted the fact that they were caught, like, I, you know, I was like almost like rooting a little too hard for them to get what's coming for them. And then when it happened, it was, it was really sad. I don't know. You could definitely see like the illusion falling apart and they really had that close up on Mrs. Kettleman's face when she was crying. And it was just with uh, Jimmy in the background sort of watching the, you know, absolute, the dream fall apart. That, that definitely got me. And it was really interesting how they can play both sides of that coin.
0: Any thoughts, Simon?
2: Um, yeah, that that was that was a great moment, and I can't dispute that the Kettlemans were, were great characters. Um I think when when you're talking about uh connecting them to Walt, I think it's it's definitely the it's the self assuredness, and it makes you realize that with if Breaking Bad had, had had Walt as its antagonist, I mean sorry, let me rephrase that <laughs> in, in a different way. If Breaking Bad had not had Walt as its central character, let's say Jesse was the central character. Um then, and you could imagine you maybe you only saw Walt like a few times a season or something. you could imagine him as a kettleman type character as like if you could just if you could miniaturize him to the stature of a supporting character, you'd realize how almost comical he is
1: <laughs> absolutely well, I always found Walter to be extremely i don't know I always found the way he would try to talk himself out of stuff either to himself or to other people extremely funny. Like the way I, the two the two moms come to mind immediately is his whole speech in front of the school after the plane crash. I thought that is, is straight up one of the funniest things I've seen on TV. Just him going like, well, it was, you know, it wasn't even all the way full. One of those planes, you know, it was it was only <laughs> <Yeah>. two thirds full. <laughs> and and, you know, it's only the seventh biggest plane disaster in history. And then the other one, which I, I, I laughed at the beat. In, like just so I remember specifically, like cracking up was when Gus uh, kills that assistant in the beginning of season four, that first episode. And right before that, like when Gus is setting up to kill the guy, and we don't know he's going to kill him. There's just this beat, and then Walter goes, "Okay, let's talk about Gus." Like he's just he's like, <laughs> "Okay, let let's talk about it." Like you can see Wal- Walter freaking out and then trying to trying to get himself out of the knot. I find that stuff hilarious. The same way that Mrs. Kettleman is like, "Oh, drug dealers and and uh, rapists are just walking around and you're trying to prosecute my husband and everyone's looking at her like she's out of her mind."
0: <laughs> yes, there's a level of um self-delusion and uh <laughs> Ridiculous um, self-assuredness to those characters that does make them make for some pretty great comedic moments. And it's it's nice it's interesting to hear Vikram that it, it's such a visceral like you have such a vitriolic response to them. That's really interesting. And I I would not be surprised if we got more characters in that vein as the show continues because it does seem very interested in, in exploring those types uh, of of characters and like and comparing them with Jimmy. So like like jimmy is his character uh that his arc over the season i like comparing it to walt's because it they i feel like they're inherently two very different people walt constructs a narrative and um and is determined to get to Ozymandias, basically and um and for jimmy he's trying so hard to be to be good for lack of a better word to to be chuck but the universe, just it seems like they won't let, they just keep punishing him for making ethical decisions, which is already a hard enough task for him. Um, so the, by the time we get to the, the finale, season finale, and he decides to walk away from that life, I think it's really um, a very different decision than the kind of thing we, we saw in Breaking Bad. And for me, I'm curious who you guys feel like Jimmy is, because he, so there's Slip and Jimmy, and then there's trying to be Chuck Jimmy, uh, for me, Jimmy is most himself when he's with Kim and that's what makes that ending a little, like, I want to to feel like the ending is a triumphant, happy one, but I can't because I know that him making that decision is going to take him away from the kind of person he is with, when he's with Kim. And so for me, it was, it, I wanted it to be a triumphant moment, but because of my knowledge that Kim's not in Breaking Bad, um... I couldn't really enjoy it. I'm curious what you guys think Jimmy... Who Jimmy is, at least right now, and how that last scene played for you guys.
2: Well, first of all, I would say, to to reformulate your previous thought in a slightly different way, I would say that Walt is trying to bend the universe to his will, whereas Saul slash Jimmy is just trying not to get broken by the universe. That's a, um,
0: that is a much more eloquent way to put it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I only just thought of it while you were talking, so anyway... Um, the, uh, what when you're talking about that, that ending, uh, I'm, con- I'm deeply conflicted about what you just said, actually, because the whole time he, every time he gets a scene with Kim, yes, he, he does seem to have, um, he seems to be a better, a, a better, nicer, more earnest person when he's around her. On the other hand, he seems, he also restrains himself a lot. Like, he, uh, whenever... Uh, when Kim's talking about all the all the things that have gone wrong and Bruce betrayed him, and he, and he and he's and he he is his biggest self around her, uh, and arguably his best. I'm not sure that it's uh honest though, or maybe it's honest, but it's not complete. Uh, because we know that actually he is completely, legitimately steamed about all those things, and also he's clearly still in love with this woman. Uh, and he's not saying or doing anything about that while she's around. So I don't think it's 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 accurate to say that he's most himself around. her. if if anything, he's he is he's presenting a very limited, uh, if shiny view of himself in a different sort of way.
0: Interesting thoughts, Vikram.
1: I'm a little hesitant to you know do this sort of. I I I get it, but I'm a little hesitant to make this sort of divide between like jimmy and saul even though uh it's kind of what the show wants you to do but i definitely think that he's all of those things he's the same person uh who's with kim he's the same per- he's the same guy uh who's slipping jimmy he's the same one to be Chuck? i think they're all the you know manifestations of the same personality I definitely think it's a lot. He uses a lot of the same techniques to different ends. Like you can see uh, the way he sort of wins over cases and wins over clients is the same. He's using the same sort of to scam people in Cicero. And I definitely think there's a little more sort of peer to peer honesty when he talks to Kim. But I definitely think that's just a product of, you know, a shared history that hasn't been really expounded upon. But to to that, your point about the ending, you asked about my thoughts on the ending. And I, I think if I have one problem with the finale was the last like five minutes, I think felt a little bit abrupt and a little bit like rushed. I don't know. I definitely think that it was like the, after the funeral, the call from Kim being like, Oh, you got this great job. uh, You got to just interview. And then he gets to the, the law office and he um looks at the ring. And then he has that conversation with Mike. And then he drives off. I don't know. It felt a little, just like maybe a tad bit abrupt for my taste. It was just like, like I I understand that the light bulb went off in his head and he's like, Oh, I'm never making that mistake again. But it all felt, I think just a little too pat. And you could definitely see, uh, you know, the the sort of plot turning in a way that you hadn't before. Like, I really liked that they spent like almost more than half the episode in Cicero. I, I definitely thought that was a really great choice for a finale, but I just think the way that they, they sort of tied it of like, "Oh, I'm never gonna make that mistake again." W- wasn't really my bag, but I definitely think the the journey to that was really, really great. So I don't know. It's it's uh, that was maybe my only problem with the finale.
0: The um the phone call from Kim is very abrupt, and it does it almost feels like them going, "Oh crap, it's the finale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we only have ten. We don't have 13. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I think it's because they've so wanted they need they needed. Or they didn't. They wanted it to be a choice. Him to make an active choice. So if he's going to make a choice to be Slippy, Slipping Jimmy with a law degree rather than just Jimmy, Jimmy McGill, you know, in him talking, you know, the, the, I forget the two partners of like, name partners of this firm, blah, 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 and McGill and everything, he's like, I I don't think it's any. Uh, coincidence that's Hamlin, Hamlin, and McGill. So McGill's at the end of of his brother's law firm, and then this when he's speaking out loud, it's something, something in McGill, and then he decides to not go that way. But they, in order for the, him to make that choice, he needed to be presented with um a, a, a good opportunity to not make that choice, um and have it be like a worthwhile one that he then doesn't accept. Um, but it, it, I think they needed more legwork if they wanted us to, to buy it. So I would kind of maybe think that could have happened in in a season two or like built up exactly. a bit more.
1: Just to jump off that point, just uh, you could see the strings being pulled. It was at that moment you could definitely see that like there was some deck stacking that obviously yeah. needed to be done to get where they ended. But you could see the seams at that moment where it was just like they're setting up the choice. He rejects the choice and then he drives off. Like you could you could see them pulling it for that end. Which yeah, was my true. only issue
0: really. It's very riderly. It's very and now <laughs> a bit of plutonium here. We need this to happen. Uh so let's let's construct it that way, yeah. Um but when you talk about the enjoying the the sister stuff, I, I do gotta mention Mel Rodriguez. I was so glad to see him pop up again. because uh, when he popped up in the, the previous episode, I was like, Oh, it's Mel Rodriguez. Awesome. Uh, I hope we see him again. Um so I was I was glad to spend so much time with him in this finale. Did you guys have other um characters i do want to talk a little bit more about kim before we wrap up but do you guys have other characters that just popped up here or there throughout the season that you particularly enjoyed
2: Uh, i was surprised to see uh so little of uh of michael mando throughout the season considering he's a regular and i think he was in like four episodes Mm -hmm. um there's a few people like that in the cast i'm like all right amc if that's how you want to play this um but uh I think that they they did a great job spreading spreading around those characters, like ha- giving them each a little a little section. Like there's there's basically like a Kettleman's arc and there's a, there's a mini arc with uh, with Mando at the beginning. Um, we haven't even talked about Mike at all, which is which seems <laughs> insane. Uh, but I like that their use of Mike uh, for the most part has been let's have a bunch of awesome sketches with Mike um, because we like Mike. And, like, for instance, the whole thing last week with the, I think it was last week's episode with the, um, with the, with the, 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 the audition essentially for the job. Like, it really, it didn't do a lot for the season other than introducing his theme of do the job, do it right, and go home, be a good criminal. Um, but it was, no one would think to drop it ever.
1: See, I really liked how, um, they just any anytime a senior citizen would pop up, not only, uh, they it was it was a bummer that a lot of them didn't have names or anything, but I loved whenever, uh, Jimmy would have a conversation with them, and you could tell both why they trusted Jimmy just because Jimmy also has this like weird old timey sensibility. Um, but also I I really like seeing I, this is just me, but I really like seeing older faces on TV in general. Like I really just like uh those those type of they they never really TV's a young man's game, and they never really get a lot of uh props in television. I just really enjoyed any time he was at the senior home or he was uh talking to um though I forget her name but the woman who came down with the
0: uh <laughs> Alpine shepherd with, boy. Down the
1: staircase. Yeah. I thought that was great. Um but yeah, the, uh, you, guys, you guys mentioned all my favorites too, but I love senior citizens.
0: Yeah. Um this stuff with Mike, uh, you're right, Sam, we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh but I mean there's been plenty of ink spilled about how fabulous five Oh was and getting that backstory. And Jonathan banks is clearly fantastic. Um, uh, the, I do the, I'll just, again, to mention Kim again, the, um, I think you're right that he, Jimmy is presenting part of himself to Kim, but I, the difference I see with, with, with slip and Jimmy, it seems like he's, um, shutting off the part of him that, can care and that's why I went at the um, or or can um, see more you know like he's, he's he's in some ways he's very ambitious as as Slip and Jimmy but in other ways he really really isn't and so um, that's why I think he decides to go back at the end of the the finale and to, to not stay there and re-embrace that life because he wants more for himself even if it's not with Chuck um, and with Chuck he's denying that part of himself entirely with Kim I see somewhere he feels more in the middle I guess, between the extremes, so that's why I enjoy that. And as for Kim herself, I, I love that there's like they hint at this whole other backstory for her that we haven't even gotten yet. Something about, you know, because Jimmy says, well, I figured if Kim could do it, then I could do it. Which implies that she worked her way up through the firm in a similar manner. I don't really understand uh, the entirety of it, but I love that that, if they want to explore that, that there's this whole other thing that they can dive into in season two. I think that's smart writing and, um... And I look forward to seeing more of it, I guess, next year. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? We've gone already gone way too long. But do you guys have any <laughs> final thoughts on this season of Better Call Saul? Uh,
2: I, I'm, I'm shaking in my um, – I've said a couple times that I fully expect that they will get to the post-Breaking Bad uh, section at some point sooner than we think uh, Like and, and stay there. I, I'm now not so sure about that, uh, based on this finale and based on things that Peter Gold has said. Um, but I still think I would really like them to do that for a significant period of time if they can.
0: Okay. Vigram?
1: Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I'm really interested to see the direction they take in season two. I think they can go a lot of different ways. I think if they maybe slow down the pacing, they could spend a lot of time within uh jimmy's psychology of trying to uh become Saul goodman or they could speed it up and see him in that uh storefront law office right away i'm not sure but i really uh definitely think that the direction uh could be really interesting i I i i think that i trust peter Gould at this point i trust the production team i think that it could be a really interesting second season i can definitely also see it being uh just a huge step up from the first season where they just iron out all of the, the jauntiness on the, on the edges. A, a, a quick thing before we end, uh, Simon, you mentioned that you did uh, that network speech for a theater audition. I, I did that same speech uh, at a middle school talent show. Nice. And to, <laughs> A bunch of kids who had no idea what was going on. I, I have never heard a deader crowd. Like no one had seen the movie. I was like 12 years old and I had just seen network. And I, I, I just the way you said, you said that reminded me of that just that whole day where it was just, I did that whole thing and everyone was just clapping politely and nervously at the end of it. Like, (laughs) what the hell? Did we just watch someone break down publicly?
2: That's the appropriate response. For some reason, Network is the greatest movie ever when you're 12. Oh yeah,
1: it's the it's the greatest thing in the world when you're 12. Like,
0: okay, well then that's too late for me because uh, I still haven't seen it. But um, but yeah, but that sounds that sounds delightful, <laughs> uh, Vikram. And if you have video of that from your parents, I would love to see it. Uh, if I, really. I
1: wish we did, I don't think anyone taped it, which is a bummer. But it was it was a flash in the pan, and it wasn't as great. I don't think if you saw it, it would be at all that (laughs) that great. Just mostly embarrassing.
0: Good times. Well, everybody's got at least one of those, right? Uh, At least one middle school talent show that they try not to think about. That sounds about right. Um, Well, it's (laughs) been lovely chatting Better Call Saul and network with y'all. Vikram, where can our our listeners find you and your work online?
1: Uh, You can see my work at the AV Club. Uh, I also write for a site called Movie Mezzanine.
0: Well, thank you again, Vikram, so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse.
2: no oh no, oh, no. We, lost <laughs> we were just, we were just oh, my talking god. and talking
0: uh, <laughs> oh god oh that is hilarious <laughs> how long has he been gone i don't know <laughs> damn it
1: hey sorry hey,
0: no no we just feel like assholes because we were like bigger thoughts oh shit we've just been talking to ourselves
2: <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh what was so, the last thing you heard? Who was talking when you when you dropped out? What was
0: long windedly going on? When you...
1: It was it was it was Kate. The last thing I heard was. <laughs> okay.
0: God, cheers, so Simon. you missed my we're whole thing. Okay, the, we're the worst. Okay. <laughs>